This is One Bills Live, presented by Kaleida Health. Good evening, Bills Mafia. Welcome to round two of the AFC playoffs. Here's the snap. Allen going to keep it and run. Looking for the end zone, and he's in. Josh Allen, the beast, has been released. It's a five-yard touchdown run for Buffalo. Mahomes looking left, pocket collapsing, wide open, and into the end zone. Who else? Travis Kelsey with a 22-yard touchdown reception on what looked to be a blown coverage. Allen going to keep it, lowers his head, and powers his way into the end zone. Josh Allen turned into a bulldozer and went two yards for the touchdown. His second rushing touchdown of the game. Mahomes under center. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, the lone setback. It's a screen to Travis Kelsey. He's trying to get the corner. Lunges for the pylon, and... And he signaled he's got it. It's a touchdown. A three-yard touchdown by Travis Kelsey, his second of the game, on a tight end screen to the left side. Going to roll out to his left. Nowhere to go. Fires to the end zone. And it's caught. Caught in the end zone for a touchdown. An unbelievable flick of the wrist from Josh Allen to who else? Glue hands, Khalil Shakir. He doesn't drop anything. Here's the snap. Give it to Pacheco. Right up the middle, cutting it back, and he's into the end zone. Coming around the left side with a head of steam is Hardman. The ball comes out, and it fumbled through the end zone. Is it a touchback? It is a touchback. It's Buffalo's ball. Makes the handoff. Throws it to Shakir. He's wide open, running down the left sideline. First down and more, and out of bounds at the 40. Old, reliable Khalil Shakir with a huge play to extend the drive. Snap by Ferguson, hold by Martin, kick by Bass is on the way. And it is no good. No good wide to the right. And there is the last kneel down, and that will do it. The remaining 25 seconds will tick away as the Bills are only left thinking about what could have been as their arch nemesis in the playoffs strikes again. The third time in four years, Buffalo's postseason is ended prematurely by the Kansas City Chiefs. That is your Toshiba Game Rewind. Toshiba, the official copier company of the Buffalo Bills. It is a blue Monday here in western New York as another season has come to an end for the Bills in the playoffs and the third straight season that it has ended in the divisional round. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you to talk your way through it. We've been therapists before on days like this. We will do our best to serve in that capacity again today for you. Phone number to get on board, 803-0550 in the 716 area code. Outside of the 716 area code, one 888 As we'll take your biggest takeaways from this playoff defeat at the hands of a familiar opponent, the Kansas City Chiefs. 
Steve, where are you at first blush? Um, yeah, East. <coughs> they ran out of they ran out of healthy bodies defensively. They could not stop Pat Mahomes last night with a lineup they were forced to play. And as as bold and courageous an effort as the as the defensive players put forth, mm-hmm. uh, we've seen it before, and so has every other team that's played the Chiefs. You just gotta you gotta be sound defensively, not sound. You gotta be almost spectacular defensively uh, to beat those guys, particularly in the playoffs and. You know, the Bills, they did what they could offensively. I mean, they had 78 offensive plays. They stayed on the field, 38 minutes of possession time. But when Mahomes got out there, they had eight plays of 20 yards or more. They were just throwing it all over the yard. The Bills had trouble communicating. I mean, the busted coverage on the first touchdown to Kelsey is is case in point number one. Uh, They just couldn't get. You know, good, couldn't get guys lined up every single time. And not only do you have to line up right and know your assignment, you got to play lights out. And the Bills couldn't do that all the time. They couldn't play. They couldn't get lined up all the time. They certainly had trouble playing lights out with the guys that they were that were on the field defensively. Um, the entire team tried to tried to get through it together and tried to play that kind of game. Even get you know even the ill fated fake punt, you know, giving you that idea that, man, they got to go for it. And it's right. It's true. They were, uh, I think, two of three on fourth down conversions in this game, uh, 50% on third down conversions. The Kansas City Chiefs had only five first third downs. They only had five third downs in the entire game. And they only converted one of them. And uh, But they didn't get forced to third down very yeah. often. And uh, Mahomes and Allen kind of – you know, we've seen it. They're two two jokers cut from the same cloth. You can't sack them. We had a couple of guys get loose R- early in the game. Greg Rousseau looked like he was going to do it. Turns into a big first down, an explosive play for the Chiefs. I mean, that's what we that's what teams look at uh, when they when they make those calls against Josh. They have those perfect defensive play calls, and it turns into a big play for the Bills because of the quarterback. Both these clubs boast those kind of players. Uh, the bill, you know, the drops on the Bills side of it with Diggs and Sherfield on the long balls, uh, yeah, fr- really frustrating for not just yeah for the for the players as well as the the fans watching. Uh, you feel like you really missed out on some opportunities that were there to be had, and uh, and that's what it always feels like when you when you exit the playoffs with a loss. You missed an opportunity. You had a team that went put together an incredible run to get there. Got the two seed in the conference after all it was said and done after the roller coaster of a regular season. Um, they played well against good teams. Seemed to play down to their competition when it wasn't one of those games, but got in and got the two seed uh, when it was all said and done. Won another playoff game. They they seem to do that every year. And uh, but in that next round, when they get to that final eight. The Bills have struggled to advance, and it's been for different reasons. Yeah, and this this next year, they'll have a new group of guys, a very new group of people on the defensive side in particular. Um, but this is this is one of those times when you're reminded bitterly, you know this these teams every year you get one shot at it, and yeah. and the Bills are going home again. Felt like the Bills had the right game plan to milk the clock and run the ball. The plan worked in the first half. They led 17-13 at the break. Almost 2-1 to time of possession, to your point, Steve. Second half, if you want to criticize anything offensively, maybe they could have thrown on first down on those second and shorts a little bit more. They took some timely downfield shots, and plays were there to be made. 
<clears throat> Sherfield, two drops on big plays where he won on the route. Diggs, one drop on a big play where he won on the route. Allen, one misfire on the post shot to the end zone. <clears throat> Excuse me. To Shakir on the final drive. He threw it flat-footed and couldn't reset platform on time, and that's why the pass comes up short. So you're missing on your primary downfield. You're missing your primary downfield receiving threat in Davis in this game, out injured with a knee injury. Bills called some play action on occasion, and Allen just stood there begging for somebody to be open downfield, and it really never materialized off play action last night. And so with the downfield passing game not coming to fruition – the Bills used high percentage passing attack of screen game, you know, bubble screen, tunnel screens to Kincaid, just to kind of stay ahead of the sticks as best as they could. And as Steve said, defense could not stop the Chiefs passing game. Kansas City, as we said, just five third downs. They're breaking off yardage in big chunks the whole game, which only, in my estimation, supported the intelligence of the Bills game plan. <laughs> yeah. McDermott tried to be creative. He used Saran Neal on Travis Kelsey in a third down package from the first series of the game. He had an alternate plan, knowing how shorthanded they were going to be. Uh, he tried to be creative. Defensive line, disappointing. Could not impact the game at all. They were the healthiest group on the defense. Mm -hmm. Ed Oliver did not make a play. Leonard Floyd, invisible for the last month of the season. Von Miller flashed in this game. Greg Rousseau, I thought, was one of the only defensive linemen who had a solid game from start to finish, but he lets a sack slip out of his grasp. Could not stop the run. No pressure on Mahomes with the front four in a game where they had to commit seven to coverage because of the deficiencies back there. And special teams hiccups again. It has been a problem for long stretches of this season, and it has cost them football games this year it's not the only reason they lost last night but it essentially ended the game prematurely yeah and look i'm gonna be the first to say this okay well probably not the first to say it the bills have a very good football team and i'm afraid of this i'm afraid they're just playing in an era where they may be in the same conference as a michael jordan <laughs> having personally lived through this as a knicks fan I can tell you, the Patrick Ewing era Knicks were good enough to win a title, maybe a couple, but they had Michael Jordan in their conference. Patrick Mahomes might be the Michael Jordan in the AFC. He's gone to six consecutive AFC title games, and he's four and two in those, and he's an offsides penalty away from being five and one. Only Joe Burrow has beaten him fair and square. So I know fans are going to call up. They're going to say we need a new vision. We got to change something. We got to do this. The Bills aren't the only team that can't get over the hump in the AFC. The Bengals got over once, and the best QB in the history of the game, Tom Brady, got a lucky offsides call to get past Mahomes to the Super Bowl. So this is not just a Bills issue as I see it. You may right. have a different opinion. I don't. It's not just a Bills issue. It's an everybody can't beat Mahomes issue. That's it. Yeah. Look I, at the look at the facts. Six consecutive. And look, maybe Lamar beats him this weekend true. coming up. Maybe he does. Maybe that team's poised to get over the hump. And 
I'll applaud them if they do. But Mahomes is the Michael Jordan of the AFC, and nobody can get past him right now with any degree of regularity. And I'll say this too: it is we've said a lot. Um, you got to have that guy to get into the into the dance, and you get to the final eight of the NFL, where there's you know four AFC teams, and you look at the AFC teams that are left in it with Lamar, Josh. Patrick Mahomes, and then this new kid, C.J. Stroud. Yeah. I mean, we'll hear from him. And Joe Burrow was hurt. I mean, it's – That's five right there. It's a crowded race. Uh, and then you've got a guy like – I just don't see – I don't see Brock Purdy beating any of these guys. Um, Brock Purdy has elite talent around him, so he, does. he just has to distribute he does, the football. No question about it. But if – so that's where they're at. Uh, they're in a crowded race at the top, and when you get up into the conference where well, we knew it coming in, we had spoken at length in the offseason and then preseason and during the regular season about how the quarterback market looks in the NFL, and it is weighted heavily in the AFC. You got to shrug your shoulders and say, we got one of them, but... Right, so here's what you have to do, though. You have one of those five guys, Right. So now it is incumbent upon you to help him by getting him more weapons than anybody else. We, right. Steve, you and I sat here after the Bengals loss, and what did we say? They need more weapons to help the passing game. Now, they drafted Kincaid after a receiver run happened in front of them in the first round of the draft this past spring. Kincaid was a big help. 73 receptions this year. Kept the offense on schedule, kept the passing game alive, and obviously Shakir emerged down the stretch as well. But you you have one of the five best quarterbacks in the league in your conference. You have to give him as many weapons as you possibly can. It is an arms race, and you better give your guy the tools yeah. going forward if you want to get over this Mahomes hump because the Ravens are in position to do so now. Why? They signed Nelson Aguilar in free agency. They signed Odell Beckham Jr. in free agency. They draft Zay Flowers in round one. And all of a sudden, the Ravens have a passing game. Right. And they, got, and they switched offensive coordinators, the whole thing. I mean, they, they – and all, the Ravens have – we've seen John Harbaugh do this. They, they, when they got Lamar and they sw- made the switch from Joe Flacco to Lamar, they went all in on Lamar with the, with the misdirection running game and the whole thing, and they turned Lamar loose and let him play exactly the way it was best for him. And kudos to them. He made him the MVP. Now he's gonna, it looks like he's going to be the two-time MVP. Yeah. Uh, that's how you're building it. And I, and I think the Bills, there's no question, the Bills are going to look around and say, you know, with, what do you do? Do you try and build up? And I get that the complimentary football thing, but what's the atmosphere in the league look like? And if you're gonna have a year where, and the Bills are in, have haven't, they're 42 or 44 million bucks over the cap now. What do you do except for give the best guys more weapons and do what you can with the rest, roster wise? And you got a, you got some draft picks, you got all that stuff coming up. Do what you can with the rest, and and see what you can do. I this team, this is a different feel this year than it was last year when, you know they. After the Demar thing, and they they came in, and they, you could just see even in the Miami game last year. I was talking to uh, some sideline reporters yesterday from the national, Didi Kim Kabwala, who we've had on the show, and she said I was on the sidelines for the Miami playoff game last year 
with Skylar Thompson. And she goes, I thought your guys were dead then. They, you know, and you and I talked at length about it. Yeah. So this feels very different this year. You get a much more accurate picture of what is there for this team this year and where they're headed. And, you know, offensively, in a game like that last night, you need another guy. I mean, for all the guys that were hurt defensively, and you can say what you want, you're right. There were a multitude of guys who, who were in there who normally would not have been playing defense for the Buffalo Bills. But if you'd had one more play, if, if you had two more catches on drop balls that were not caught, the explosives were the there. The game to be made. seems very different. Explosives were there to be made. There were three uh, of them. They were all there. There yeah, were four of them. I, I three yeah. were drops. One was a misfire. Um, and that's a, and that's in a game at the divisional round of the playoffs where you you just you can you did it to yourself. Yeah. And you and when you have an opportunity, you can't miss it. I mean, look at the Packers. They're in position to win that football yeah. game. They miss a field goal. You open the door. You lose. Yeah. The margins are thin in the regular season. They are razor's edge thin in the playoffs. You yeah. can't mess up. And you mess up, you will pay for it. The teams in the playoffs are too good. They will take advantage of your miscue and make you pay for it. So you have a miscue, you're dead as a doornail. It's yeah, just the, the way it is. And the Bills had too many uh, last night. You know, the, the f- fake punt that didn't work, the missed field goal at the end, and the three drops that we're talking about are four misplays. Um, and and I'll say this too, even in the, and I said this on the post game last night, every even when you win, you go back and say, wow, we left that on the field, we left that on the field, we left that on the field, and and it all gets it's thrown out with a wash then because you still won the game. Yeah. Uh, did the same thing with the Miami game, week eighteen. The Bills were like three plays away from beating them by twenty one. Yeah, not seven, and they could have beat the Steelers by twenty one. They could have beat the Steelers by, but all that gets washed away because. You win the game. You win the game. Yeah. In the game like this against Kansas City, and kudos to Kansas City, and they'll, the, the Chiefs will tell you this too. They'll say, oh, we missed that one, or we missed that one. They'll have, game, they'll have plays in, this, in the game film where they'll say, oh, we missed, should have done this and this and this, and we, you know, it would have been an easier game. You don't fumble it through the end zone there. They're up, that game might be out of reach for the Bills. Yeah. Uh, so it, it, it's the way the game is played. It's how it goes, and it's hard to – I'm just – I mean, I hear it too, and I felt it last night as well with everybody. You have these over these emotional overreactions to what happened. That this has got to be that. Throw this guy out. Throw that guy out. Cut the. You know, I'm I'm not. I mean, I laugh about it, but I mean, you got people saying, "Let me fire Sean McDermott, trade Josh Allen," and I know they're trolls probably on social media and all that. But let me just take a deep breath. Got a really good program, really good football team. You got beat by a really good team. And you're not alone. Everybody, you know, you got to get it. It's a long list of teams that are now stacking up that have been beaten by this team in the playoffs. Yeah. You got to find a way to get it done. You had your chances. You were good enough to get it done if you played better. You didn't have to play your best. Just make some catches that you normally make. Yep. Make a kick that you normally make. Let's uh, get to the phones and see what you think at 803. Oh, we have. Okay. We're going to go to Josh Allen, who actually is addressing the media on Locker Cleanout Day. Let's get his thoughts and go there now. Hey, hey Josh, you had Joe Brady as your quarterback coach now, and now that's important. How much would you embrace that continuity of having him back? I would fully embrace it. Um, I love Joe. I love what he brings to this team, to our offense, the juice that he has, the passion he has for, for football. 
how much preparation he's put into, you know, a tough situation these last seven to eight weeks. Um, yeah, that's I, I would fully embrace that, and that's um, obviously there's stuff that needs to go on before that, and I, I understand there's probably an interview process and and all that, but um, he's got my vote. Josh, from, uh, I mean, a- anyone you ask members of the offense about him, they talk about his energy, right? But from an X's and O's standpoint, wh- what did he do, in your opinion, to kind of jumpstart things? Well, I mean, I think just the fact that, again, we ran the ball extremely well, um, you know, stuck to that. I think got back to some, some simpler concepts. Um, did simple better with him, and I think, again, didn't have his entire touch or his entire flair on this system. Um, so I know if that's the route that we, we you know, we went, um, there would be a little bit of change in terms of, you know, um, systematically what we what we would be doing, uh, which I'm open for, you know, and having some good talks with him and um, just seeing what it, what it could be. And it does get me excited. Um, so, yeah. Do you ever get used to the finality? Yeah, I mean it's it's surreal. Um, on the bright side, we woke up this morning, right? We're we're all here. Um, you know, losing losing's never fun. It's it's a part of the game. It's the worst, well, second worst part of the game. Obviously, injuries are the worst part of the game, but um, it's the reason why you play this game is because you don't want to feel this way, but. When you do feel this way, it makes um, winning all that much more special. And you know, this isn't something that we're going to run from. It's not something we're going to hide from. You know, we got to we got to take it on the chin and continue to learn and, and get better. And I know that doesn't it's not what people want to hear. Uh, they want to see results. We want to see results. We're just like just like you guys. We we want to win. You know, and that's that's the fact. And uh, at the end of the season, there's one happy team. And we're going to keep fighting and keep working as hard as we can until until we are that one team. So um, long road ahead, long off season. Got to continue to keep putting in the work and, and getting better in the off season and, and getting getting together with guys and figuring out what we can do to get over the sump. I know it's racing after the game. It's you know 15 minutes afterwards, and you come out. And you're very emotional. You said you think that there's probably more tweaks than big changes. Now that you've had a little bit more time to reflect on that, do you still feel that way? And if you do feel that way, is there maybe any benefit to change? Because we have seen so much continuity over the years. Oh, uh, I mean, two systems that you, two systems of thought that you can have there, sure. Um, but I, I, I think, you know, all signs are still pointing up with this team. I, I know um, it feels bleak, and there's probably going to be a lot of change, whether it's personnel, um, guys coming back, guys not. And again, that's all speculation. That's nothing that I know, nor can I, um, you know, focus on. To be honest, I just got to continue to keep working hard and, and bringing the guys that are here along, and, and keep trying to mesh everybody together. And um, you know, it takes an entire organization. It takes every single person in this facility to win a Super Bowl. And um, obviously, we haven't gotten it done yet. So um, some some good long looks in the mirror and conversations uh with people that are in and outside the building just asking you know what can i do more what 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 can i be better at and um learning and growing from that and that's exactly what i plan on doing i said it's still fresh 
Do you worry about the window of opportunity for this team? No, not at all. Why not? Um, you know, I believe in the in what we've got going on here and, and the people that are in charge. I believe in myself, um, and that'll never change. Gotcha. It was 13 games in a row that Stefan failed to, to reach 100 yards to, to end the season. What what went into his declining production as the year went on, and, and how do you guys reverse that? Yeah, um, well, I think teams were doing a good job of, of playing too high and taking some things away that we were doing well during the season. Uh, I thought we ran the ball uh, more and were more uh, put more effort into the run game. Um, and then I missed a few throws early on in the season, or the middle of the season, late in the season, that could have changed the narrative about this whole thing. So um, just getting back to, to what we know, how we can play, um, and that's that's about it. It's all about that deep ball. I mean, it's been shared on social media quite a bit. Um, it was this close. Did you guys talk about it all after the game? No, I mean, we were close. You know, that's uh, a close play. Um who knows what, if it would have impacted the game or not? And again, you can't can't boil it down to one play or, or two plays throughout the game. There's so many opportunities that we had: um, offense, defense, special teams, all three phases that could have changed the outcome of the game. So um, again, we got to find a way to, to put our best stuff on the field in, in these types of games. And I thought we were close. Um, you know, um, just got to find a way. Do you know what your offseason plan is? Will you work with Jordan, or is all that still yet to be determined? Still, still to be determined. Um, obviously, want to want to get back in the lab as soon as possible. Uh, still feels surreal that you know we're not practicing today, and um, didn't feel like our season was done yet. And honestly, still doesn't feel like that way. You know, I feel like we we had a lot of good things going in the right direction. Um, you know, felt good throwing the ball towards the end of the season, battling obviously some some things early on, um, but just fell to a spot right now where the ball was coming out really well and uh, going into this off season and, and trying to hold on to some of those those you know swing thoughts, if you will, and and just movements and, and try to try to build off that going into this off season. Any concern on your part, Josh, uh, regarding the shoulder injury? Uh, anything that has to happen this off season that you know of? No, no. Um, you know, it, it just felt like it kept getting better as the season went on, and especially these last probably four weeks felt like it, it didn't bother me at all. So, um, yeah, I don't think there's anything going on. Surgery's off the table, to clarify that. Surgery's off the table. At the moment, yes. How much uh, did you have to overcome during the course, you know, earlier on when it was bothering you? Now that we've reached this point, like reflecting on that. Yeah, I think if you talk to any, any thrower, uh, pitching, quarterback um anytime you feel pain in your throwing shoulder or your elbow or your hand it's never never a good thing it's never comforting um and it can tweak sometimes how you deliver the the ball and again throughout the season that's kind of a mental gymnastic that sometimes you have to take too of all right the ball's not coming out the right way um mechanically doesn't feel like me what what can I do to fix this sometimes you revert to old ways but again continue to work hard and, and practice and just trying to find the best way that it can you know the ball can come out and um, like I said sticking to your some of your swing thoughts um, and different ways that you can talk to yourself and get back into that motion so um, again feeling good about it right now um, yeah gonna have a, a good off season.
Josh, at some point throughout the season, Sean drawing a lot of criticism. What do you think of the job he did this season? I thought he did a great job, and I think he had a lot on his plate this this year. You know, us being six and six. Having the confidence in, in, in the guys in this locker room, um, never panicked once throughout the season. You know, a lot of BS that happened too um, off the field that shouldn't have happened. But um, again, I think we rallied around him, and, and you know, he did a lot of really great things for this team this last year. Well, obviously, understanding Sean's the head coach, and you're going to take the vision of the head coach. Do you feel like? Your idea of what this offense should be is in line with what his idea. Yeah, and I think he, he's grown so much as a head coach, um, you know, as well as me growing as a quarterback throughout the time that I've been here. And you know, it, he's never never stepped in the way of what you know our offense should look like. Obviously, he's got situations throughout the game where he's got to make a decision for the betterment of the team. Um, but never once has he come into the room and said, you got to run this play. This is what our team needs to look like. You need to run it 40 times. It's never been been that way. And I think his communication with, especially with Joe, this last seven weeks um, was top-notch in terms of, you know, letting Joe kind of do what Joe needed to do uh, to put our offense in, in good situations and him trusting, like even yesterday, trusting us on that fourth and one early in the game. Um you know, it still has a lot of confidence in the offense. And, uh, again, he had a lot on his plate this year. And, um, yeah, I definitely think we're in line there. Josh, what are your reflections on Joe moving forward with this offense? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, again, I know there's probably some sort of inter- interview process. And I'm sure he's going to be asked to interview for a couple different jobs, whether it's head coaching or OC. And, um, you know, any team would be lucky to have him. Um, and hopefully we're, we're the lucky team. Of young players that developed over the year, Will, Dalton, Osiris, James. What does that development mean for you know, the future of the offense? Yeah, I mean, it's exciting to, to see what type of group we can be. And, um, you know, Osiris Torrance played, every I think, every single snap this year, which for a rookie to do that after – you know the rookie wall is a real thing for so for him to come out there and do that I mean that speaks volumes he's going to be a heck of a player in this league for a very long time and um it's exciting um to have him on our squad and then again you look at you know James and Khalil um young players that have stepped up in a big way and you know Dalton had a fantastic season as a rookie and you know I only expect him to get better so um it's definitely you know the future's bright for for these guys and um, for myself included, and, and I'm just happy that, uh, you know, I've got a chance to play with these guys, and I think uh, it could be pretty special moving forward. Um, I know this sucks, and losing sucks, um, but a lot, lot to look forward to. Mitch was asked about his future. He said he's got to be left on his contract, and he's playing at the school. Is that a guy that you can talk to and make sure that that's the case? I hope so. I've, I've had him here for quite some time now. I love that guy. Um, talk about a, a great man, husband, father, human being. You know, he's on the top of the list when, when I'm asked about, you know, who those guys are in the locker room. Um, we've got a lot of love for him and his family, and yeah, I'm, I would love to love to have him back, and um, hopefully he we can get that done.
you feel like you and Steph are, are in a good spot, you know, on the field, off the field, chemistry-wise? Yeah, yeah, that's that's my brother. Um, he'll never catch me saying anything other than positive things. He's, he's been such a catalyst for this team and this offense over the last four years. He's, he's done um, just things that I can't thank him enough for in my career. So, um, yeah. And somebody I know you were asked kind of about the entire game. He's really kind of stepped up the last couple of weeks with uncertainty about game as he had some free agency. What can Khalil do to take the next step and become even a bigger role in the offense? Um, I mean, he's just got to keep doing him. Um, you know, just you see the opportunities that he gets, and he made some, some unbelievable catches last night. Um, he's made some unbelievable plays these last few weeks. Um, and again, just continue to be him. He works extremely hard. He's very humble, doesn't complain. He goes and does the dirty work, and he'll go go get a linebacker. He'll get on an edge. Um, he's always around the ball. Like he's he's just a guy that plays football the right way, and um, he's just got to keep doing that. And his opportunity, more opportunity will come his way, and he's going to make those those opportunities. Thank you, guys. All right, so that's Josh Allen addressing the media today. Among uh, the things that he discussed, thinks that the team is on the right path going forward, believes that their offensive philosophy is good, although if Joe Brady stays on, he gave them his uh, voice of approval to Joe Brady staying on as offensive coordinator. We'll see where that goes in the coming days and weeks. And, uh, yeah, is encouraged about the future. He knows there are going to be some tweaks and changes, as there are every offseason but generally likes the path of things, uh, singing the praises of Khalil Shakir, who was essentially the team's number one receiver for the last month of the season, and uh, said no plans for any kind of surgery regarding his shoulder, which obviously got dinged in the mid part of the season, but got better as the season wore on and said it felt really good the last month of the season. So hopefully he's good on exit physicals today. Yeah, and... Uh you can see too. He's got to be optimistic about where the thing's headed, and, and you're all going. We're going to hear a lot this off season. It's not going to be uh, like it was two years ago when the Bills are the the seat the preseason favorites. They're going to have to rebuild, and a lot of the op, any optimism that comes back to the Bills this off season is going to have to do with Josh Allen and the young weapons they've got around him. The offensive line is going to come back intact. All of that stuff is going to be in place, uh, but. There's going to be some questions about the defensive side of the ball, how good it can be. Um, but as long as, I mean, it's it's Josh, it's Patrick, Pat Mahomes, it's Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, uh, some of the C.J. Stroud. As long as those guys are taking snaps, they're going to be in the conversation to be in the playoffs. They're going to be a hard teams to beat, and the window's going to be open. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how they build this roster going forward with Ross. But there's no question. There's no question. Josh Allen should be pretty optimistic about how it's going to go here. Got to take a break here, but we'll get to your phone calls when we return here on a locker cleanout Monday after the loss to the Chiefs in the AFC divisional round. We'll take a break and be back with those here on One Bills Live. Stay tuned. This week's Player of the Game is presented by Wegmans Meals to Go. Wegmans Meals to Go, delicious meals delivered. Download their app today. And it is Khalil Shakir. Seven receptions, 44 yards, and the touchdown 
that kept the Bills in the game late. An unlikely touchdown in the front left corner of the end zone. Difficult catch to make, and Six he lead made changes it. in this game. Yeah. Six of them. It was exactly the kind of game we thought it was probably going to be. This catch on the two-yard line was an unbelievable catch. Nobody believed he caught it until we saw the replay, and he did. Uh, it was a great call. And this play, when Josh run, rolls to his left, which is not usual for him, throws this right down at the pylon. Shakir goes and gets it. Again, the Chiefs can't believe Shakir caught the darn thing, and there's no doubt he did. The film shows it. And great uh, – it's just – you know, you, it's – one of the sad moments of, about this season ending is you don't get to see this guy pl- get better, you know? We saw him get better right before our eyes, oh, yeah. right? I mean, he started out as an afterthought early in this season, and then the coordinator change, all of a sudden he starts getting more catches, and, he, and it's been literally a month, month and a half since he dropped a ball. Um, it's just been fun to watch, and that, he's not the only one. And I was, you know, I was going through and – a lot of guys we found out about this year that we didn't know about when it started. And this is a franchise that got to the number two seed in the conference with guys who really stepped up. You get guys like, you know, Terrell Dodson. We, we didn't know how good he was going to be. Khalil's well, he another He improved one. as the season went on. He really did. Ed Oliver showed up this season. Now, this last game may be an Not exception. So much, yeah. But he, was, he played outstanding football. Terrell Bernard. My gosh, would we got a middle linebacker? Would now. You, you, you might have cut your finger off to have that guy in the game yesterday, right? Yeah. Uh, Spencer Brown, they really missed best him. years a pro. Osiris yep. Torrance, a rookie, comes in, starts every single, takes every single snap. Yeah. Uh, there's a ton of guys who developed and played really well this year. That it's going to be fun to watch going forward. Um, so it's um, you know it, it it's that's one of the sad things about it. You don't get to see these young guys like Khalil Shakir and Osiris and um, just get better and play better and yeah. get more opportunities. Let's get to the phones though for your thoughts at eight zero three zero five fifty, and we go to Bill in Old Forge to lead us off. What do you got, Bill? Hey guys, first let me start by saying what you guys said in the first twenty minutes of the show. All that is completely one hundred percent true. I've been telling family and friends that the past uh, I don't know since the game ended last night. Um, those are all great comments. A um, few quick things. Dig acting up before the season started last year. It's almost karma. He dropped that deep ball. Hopefully he keeps quiet this offseason. Um, Tyler Bass, um, I, I hope he's not on the roster next year. I had, I had a fear he was going to miss a big kick in yesterday's game, especially when Chris, you were on the air talking about his mechanics from yesterday. Yeah. I was like thinking they're talking about a kicker's mechanic before a playoff game. I, I don't know if I've ever heard that before. Um, Albert listened to Bill's radio, like worried about mechanics. I had a feeling he was going to miss one. I wish they had gone for the touchdown in that first drive of the game instead of settling for field goal. And if they didn't get it, so be it. Um, I thought we needed more points, but regardless, but this is, this is what I called about though. Um, obviously, like you guys said, knee jerk reaction. I'm not that guy. I'm a staunch supporter of McDermott. I think he's done a hell of a job for all the reasons you guys stated. He's a great football coach. Um, but I'm getting pushed back by a lot of family and friends saying, man, we got to get over the hump. We can't just keep doing this. And it's not all at McDermott's feet. And the only guy, the only guy that is out there, and Belichick's name's being thrown out there, I'm not giving him GM power when he's old. I do like Pete Carroll, but he's older. The one guy that's available, and these coaches don't just always become available. One guy, and I love McDermott, but this guy is an upgrade in my opinion, and I think if you polled most Bills fans, they would sign up for this. And my reason being was this. There's going to be roster turnover. There's going to be some – almost hitting a refresh going in the next year with this team. There's no way around it with the cap and the, just guys getting older and contracts. I mean, if you're going to refresh and I don't think Pugula has got the guts to make this move, 
but there's one guy available. And why would he not come here? I think, yeah, at least kick the tires on him. And I know, would it bother McDermott if you did? Probably. I don't know if Pagula would do it. Jim Harbaugh's available. And that's the one guy. If you could get him to come to Buffalo, you got Josh Allen here. Why wouldn't he come here with the quarterback already in place? He's already looking at Herbert in Los Angeles. The one guy, the one, that's it. And it's not a shot on Sean McDermott. It's just some coaches just, just I think, got a little more to him. And that would be John Harbaugh. And my question is this. Do you think Pagula would think about doing that? No. I know it's drastic. No. I understand what you laid out there, Bill, but I, I just don't I, see it I, happening. I get your point. And, and, yeah, Jim Harbaugh is a great coach. It really is a good coach. And, and, and I think that th- I thought you were going to say Mike Vrabel, you know, because he's a, hot, a young, intelligent end of game. He's kind of got everything yeah, he's that he's got. Coach, he's yeah. the guy that, you know that has what Sean doesn't and Sean's got whatever he doesn't, but you know, Vrabel's another guy, but yeah, Jim Harbaugh is a, is a really good coach. I'm, I mean, it's hard to switch horses on a franchise when you're winning a playoff game every year. And certainly only one is not going to do it. And there's this, and I, ah, gosh, I'm, I can't believe it. I forgot. I was saying this at the end of last season, there is no hump to get over. Okay. There is no hump to get over. There's no hill to get over. You got just got to play well on the day that you play. And you what happened yesterday? This you... team this season, this play, this team that lost to the Chiefs yesterday is a different animal completely than the one that lost to the Bengals 12 months ago. And that 12 months ago is a different animal than the one that lost to the Chiefs 24 months ago. It's all different every year. There's no hump to get over. Yes, you still have to get by Pat Mahomes. You still have to get by Andy Reid. No question about it. So but it's a one-time else. shot. It is not an odyssey. The odyssey is about just getting the chance. The hump is 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 a it's a bad analogy. It's a bad analogy. It's it's not like it's not a snowy hill that you keep sliding down to the bottom of. It's not like that. It's a different it's a different animal. I get it. But yes, to, to your point, Bill, I get it. There's there's always a guy that might be the guy that would change things just enough and the mindset so that that Sherfield wouldn't drop two, Steph wouldn't drop one, Bass would make the kick, right? That that our defense somehow, some way wouldn't have been riddled with injuries because Jim Harbaugh was our coach. Or that Josh Allen would have turned the ball over nine times instead of 18 times if Jim Harbaugh was our coach. And he would have had 56 touchdowns instead of 44, 45, 46 touchdowns. Whatever. I, I get all of that. I get the, that you want this thing to change. But you, I, to me, the answer is absolutely no. Absolutely no. Yeah. Got to take a break here. More of your phone calls when we come back on One Bills Live. Stay tuned. Numbers that matter presented by the New York Lottery. Josh Allen now has 21 playoff touchdown passes, tying Jim Kelly's Bills career record. Allen is also second quarterback in NFL history with at least 27 total touchdowns in his first 10 playoff games. 
The other one, Patrick Mahomes <laughs> with 30. Yeah. So there you what? go. Got to get right back to the it phone. Gives a, it gives the phrase, what a time to be alive, new meaning, doesn't it? Yeah. Right? You kind of get caught He's the in. second quarterback in NFL history to do that. And he's getting, the he's guy getting that, beat by the guys. That's yeah. the first guy. Yeah, yeah and he's got more. Uh, let's get back to the phones, though. We've got a lot of people holding. I want to get to as many as we can. To Michael in Georgia we go. What's up, Michael? Hey, guys. Um, I, I've, got a com- I've got a question and a comment. So real quick, on that pass to uh, Shakira, the pass attempt, Within the last two minutes, I heard and I couldn't really see it that that uh, uh, his offensive lineman got pushed into him as he released the ball. Is that is that what happened? It was yeah. The the space was closing, and so Josh couldn't step into the throw, reset his feet. He had to throw it flat footed, so that's why it came up short. Okay, now that's what I thought. Now with uh, as far as my comment. Um, I'm I'm pretty upset today. Of course, I'm disappointed the Bills lost. But what's most upsetting is: do people have such short-term memories? Did they not realize that this team was six and six? They have faced all these injuries. You know, they, they lost two of their best players on defense. They're getting banged up a little here and there on offense. They've had a lot of different issues. Six and six, they were counted out. They wound up winning the FC East, as we know. They won six games in a row. And all these calls are, I think they're completely insane to call for, you know, fiery McDermott, change the offense of corner. Even I think it was Chopin the Bulldog last night. Oh, they're running too much over the last, since, since Brady. They won six games in a row. And it's not McDermott's fault that the kicker misses the kick, that receivers drop the ball. Those are not McDermott's fault. The punter is punting horribly. And with all that, they're still in a position to win this game or get the game into overtime. I don't think McZerm is out on the field playing. It's execution. And, and granted, there's a lot of issues. The other teams are playing. They're trying to win. But, I mean, the, any idea to get, get rid of McDermott is like, you know, when we got rid of uh, Phillips, when the team went to two playoffs, two years in a row went to the playoffs, and then we go 17 years in a playoff drought. We, we were losing in the playoffs. Losing teams don't go to the playoffs. Only winners do. And you always have a chance to get to the Super Bowl if you're in the playoffs. Granted, I want to do better. Of course I do. But so does this team and so does McDermott. Guys, you're awesome. Thank you so much for all you do. Thanks, Michael. Anytime you go through a season like the one the Bills did and you end it the way you just did yesterday where you kind of feel like it was an enormously uh, ripe opportunity. Uh, You got the Chiefs here. You got them at home. Yes, your defense was nicked up, and you had, you know the, all of the stuff that goes into it. You're going to get a lot of you know emotional reaction from fans and even even media guys who you know kind of usually try and kind of steer it down the middle and see both sides of it. Even media guys get caught up in it because they you know like they become emotionally invested in the team too. So everybody out there who's calling for everybody to be fired or trading Josh Allen or uh, whatever, uh, hiring a new head coach. I get it. I listen. I, you're. It's it's an overreaction to me. It's a little bit emotional, but I get it. I get it. Why you want to fix things that were obviously broken, but just because the game yesterday went the way it did is not an indicative of the characteristics of the team long term. Certainly, you can say, yeah, they always do this, always do that. Well, this iteration of this team, yeah, they they had some characteristics. They, do, they did run the ball well down the stretch, and it helped them to win six games in a row. And it helped them yesterday keep Mahomes off the field because they couldn't stop him defensively. It was all part of a, of a plan that was well thought out and 
a lot of it was well executed. But there were moments when they couldn't live up to that or what it was going to take to beat that team, and they lost as a result of it. But I get the, the emotional you know, the emotional reaction to it. People are bummed, and they want something done so they feel better about themselves going forward. But this, uh, I think if you, when you sit back and look at it, um, I think this coaching staff and the organization, um, they righted the ship when it, when it was faltering midseason, and they brought it down the stretch and got to the number two seed of the conference because they earned it. I mean, they earned it. They had one of the most difficult schedules out there. They went five and one against playoff teams. A couple of couple three of them were right down the stretch where they had to win, and they and they swept them, um, and they got in as a two seed in the conference. They finally got one more step towards get you know beating the Chiefs in the playoffs by having a game here in Highmark, and they just couldn't get it done on the day they needed to because. They're on their fifth and sixth linebackers yeah. and fourth and fifth outside corners. Yeah, they got that's some, why. They got some guys that they're decimated. Tell me how many teams are putting a defense on the field with their fifth and sixth linebackers, fourth and fifth corners, and are beating the Chiefs. So there you go. I mean, it's, uh, there's a lot in that. And, and you're, so have some grace for the people who are losing their minds today and, and want to blow up the stadium and everybody in it. Um, and just, you know, it's just – Give them a couple of days to get over it, and, and we'll start thinking about it. Um, it's it's a tough day to be a Bills fan after the, yesterday when you you know when the the things you point to are things that the Bills did to themselves, right? Uh, not so much the injuries on defense, but you know, drop passes, a miss kicked, a miss kick, uh, you know, all that stuff that happened. You, it, it's really tough to sit here and, and see. You know, a team like the one we were cheering for all season do that to themselves um, at the end. There, it's just tough. So yeah. you're going to get a lot of emotional reactions. You got to kind of live with it. Got to take a break here. More of your phone calls when we come back to begin hour number two. A little bit later on in hour number two, we'll also hear from Dion Dawkins in his locker room cleanout address to the media. All that coming your way next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. Presented by Kaleida Health. All right, hour number two here on a Buffalo football Monday as the Bill season has come to an end. Once again at the hands of the Chiefs for the third time in the last four seasons, unfortunately. Uh, but we press forward as we do after every one of these. And we're going to do it with your phone calls. And we go to Brian in Alabama next. What's up, Brian? Hey, good afternoon, fellas. How you guys doing? Doing all right. Yeah, so just uh, just watching last night's game. Um, to me, the game plan on offense was was good um, up until obviously the second half. I think they tried to make Josh Allen more of a game manager, 
and I think that's because of the lack of true weapons on the outside. I know Shakir has been a good re- revelation, him and uh, Dalton. Um, but <laughs> I think the Chiefs was banking on that to get it tight towards the end of the game and force the Bills to go back to trying to spread the ball out, which they know that they couldn't. So with that being said, in my opinion, I really do think they need to do something drastic, but I'm more uh, more in the opinion that they need to do something drastic in the draft. Yeah. Uh, you have your quarterback for the next few years. Uh, your offensive line is young. You, you have key pieces that are you know rookie contracts on your defense. I know you'll have some holes in the back end somehow, but I really feel like they need to jump up and get a stud wide receiver. Give up, give up your first two first first round draft picks for the next, next couple of years. You're not going to need them if you're assuming that you're going to be a good team. Uh, you need to get. They need to give Josh a true true weapon, and that would make Shakir, uh, in my opinion, a stud slot receiver. I think teams with a good game plan could slow him down possibly. So with another stud wide receiver, I really think that would help that offense, and that would make it would make last night's game look a whole lot different when it was time to to really air the ball out. Um, and then as far as the three catches, I mean the three drops that fans are talking about, I mean those are low percentage plays. I mean are, are we really banking on a third and long that Josh is throwing the ball deep to um, uh, Sherfield? I mean we need the in between stuff, and we need another wide receiver to make those type of plays. So. That's all I got. All right, Thanks, Brian. Brian. Well said. I mean, I'll 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 be the first to tell you. Steve and I sat here last year after the loss to the Bengals and said that they needed to get receiver talent and more weapons in what was very obviously an arms race in the AFC. Right. And the Bills were behind in that arms race. Now, where they were picking in round 1 left them with no choice but to get the best tight end in the draft because the run on receivers had already happened and they traded up to do that to get Dalton Kincaid, who had 73 receptions this year and has a very promising career in front of him. Shakir Mm -hmm. emerges as, I think, the slot receiver for this team going forward. And I think he could be an elite number three guy in the slot. You need a one and you need a two. Stefan Diggs has trailed off in each of the last two seasons in the second half. Maybe it's a byproduct of them depending on him too much. And the guy's just flat out exhausted by the time he gets to the second half of the season. I don't know what it is. I'm not smart enough, and I'm not a coach to know the X's and O's as to why. But it's evident to me that you not only need to draft one, you need to draft two receivers, potentially in the first three rounds, and augment this roster with more weapons for Josh Allen so this offense can return to being the high-flying attack that it was in 21 and 22, uh, more so 21, and you can couple a dynamic running game with James Cook, who is also a receiving weapon. But you got to add weapons, and you have to do it now, this year, and you have to do it with cheap labor, and that's in the draft. And fortunately for you, it's a strong receiver draft. So you're capable of doing that, even if you do pick late in round one. I don't know. Yeah, I um, I would agree with all of that. I, I think, too, um, you might look at what the Chiefs were forced to do last year not this this not this year but last year in 2022 they were forced to go very inexpensively defensively they drafted a bunch of young guys mm-hmm. and they hit they played them they had to play them and i think if you're going to draft guys we've seen them draft people before like a la james cook the only guy number one's the only high draft picks they play 
or like Osiris Torrance played this year. Spencer Brown's been in there since he was drafted. A.J. Epinesa played uh, right out of the gate. All those guys drafted, but some Craig of the Rousseau. other guys, they, were, they have been hesitant to play. Uh, Kair Elam of, in, is a great example. Um, James Cook is another great example. Guys that didn't get on the field right away. I'm all for it, but if you're going to draft anybody – Forget whatever position, wide receiver or whatever, you got to get them. They got to be on the field. You yeah. got to get something, and you got to let them develop through the regular season, so that by the time you get to this point of the season, after you played literally nineteen games, they're you know they're ready to 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 be a pro. You know they're a pro then, right? So you can you can depend on them in big moments like you had yesterday. So I'm I'm all for it, but if you're going to do that. Um, there has to be an understanding that they got to get on the field and you got to get benefit from them. Uh, you easing them in um, really shouldn't be an. You got to let them develop. I mean, we, yeah. we went down a list Kincaid played right away this year. Yeah, and there have, been high, there have been some guys who have done it, but you know certainly Kyrie yeah. Elam and James Cook did not. To Brian's point, though, you know as he was saying he was in favor of the way the game plan was, and then when the Bills had to throw, they couldn't get the answers. Uh, you can talk about it being a low percentage play all you want. Three deep balls were well thrown by Josh Allen. They were accurate. They hit the player in the hands all three times. Stefan Diggs in the second half down the Bills sideline. Trent Sherfield once in the first half down the left sideline. And then once in the second half in between the safety and the corner. Perfectly placed balls. They did not come up with them. And that's about 85 to 90 yards of receiving and potentially one, maybe two touchdowns off the board for the Bills because you couldn't execute in the deep passing yeah. game. Receiver position has to get better. It must be upgraded this offseason with cheap labor in the draft. And no ifs, ands, or buts. Yeah, and you're right, uh, Brian and from Alabama. I, you're right. It, it is a low percentage. But the low percentage is because it, it's easier to cover. You can ease the guy out of that. It's hard to get a guy you know, a lot of separation. It's a long throw with a little separation. When you when you nail it, you gotta make the play. You can't you can't be the one to make a mistake. The defender can make a great play. He can stay hang in there. You can throw the ball up and see if your guy can make a play on it. No question. But when you get a chance, you gotta pull it in as a receiver. And that's um, and they just didn't do it yesterday. So uh, you're right. It was a low percentage throws. Uh, but it's lack of execution. It wasn't that. But you gotta catch it. Gotta catch it. You gotta Simple catch as that. It. Let's go to Anthony in New York City. What do you got for us, Anthony? Chris, Steve, listen. I don't blame McDermott trying to keep the ball out of Mahomes' hands last night, trying to run the ball, because he was just eating up our, our linebackers last night, Mahomes. Yep. He just ate us up for dinner last night. We yep. couldn't stop him for nothing. Yeah, I don't, that's right. We had we, – Brownie said it. Brownie said it, Anthony. They had the fourth and fifth – uh, linebacker on the field, fifth and sixth, fifth and sixth linebacker on the field, and they had the third and fourth, fourth and fifth, fourth corners. and fifth cornerbacks on the field. Yeah. Um, and I'll say this too: I thought the defensive line needed to step up, and I thought the defensive line needed to to, to yeah, carry more than their weight. And I, I thought they they fell short of that. Where was the pass rush last night? Yeah, you're it right. Was, it was non-existent. Um, you really needed your defensive line to take control of that game, not only at the line of scrimmage against Pacheco, but on the edges where the Chiefs were perceived to be deficient, 
Jawan Taylor's the most penalized player in the entire league at right tackle. Donovan Smith at left tackle. And I'll give the Chiefs credit. They did game plan to address that. They knew it was a deficiency. And they went 12 and 13 personnel an awful lot, and they had their tight ends chipped to help. And they did help. So credit to the Chiefs for knowing it was a liability, and they had the bodies to address it. The Bills had liabilities. They just have the manpower to address it. I mean, you got one guy starting who came off his couch two weeks ago, and you got another guy who, while he has improved greatly on defense through the course of the season, you know, covering is not his forte. And they still tried to address it with different personnel usage. They had Saran Neal out there covering Travis Kelsey in third down situations. You know, they've had Poyer in the dime package with Cam Lewis in center field. And it just was not enough. Simple as that. Let's go to Matt on a cell next. What do you got for us, Matt? Hey, Chris. Hey, Steve. Hey, listen, thank you so much. You, you guys did a wonderful job this season, kind of talking us through the season. Um, we had a we had a little bit of a lull there, um, going six and six. But, you know, I think one thing Sean McDermott has taught us is, like, he's resilient. And I think he's going to come through this. Um, next season is going to be a challenge with all the free agency issues. Um, but one thing about the game I want to notice is I went to six games this year and, um, Bill's mafia, they affected every single quarterback and, um, they just couldn't get to Mahomes last night. Yeah. It's too bad, but. Um, that's it, and I'll listen to what you guys have to say. Yeah, thanks, Matt. Uh, appreciate that. Uh, glad you were listening all season long. Look, you, you've got – I'm just going to say this, because I know we're going to take more calls you know, about wanting a new vision and a change and all of that. Sean McDermott did more with less this season than maybe any other season as a head coach. I'm just going to put this out there as an example to you, okay? Last year – Sean McDermott successfully navigated this team through a near-death experience of one of their teammates and won a football game the following week, won a playoff game, and then lost a divisional playoff in a, in a time where his team was in a state that maybe no other coach has experienced before. And he navigated his team through that and actually won a playoff game, which was shocking. This year team is decimated by injuries and not just regular injuries we're talking three pro bowl caliber players for the balance of the rest of the season daquan jones tradavius white matt milano and there were others along the way and he navigated this team out of a six and six abyss to win six consecutive games including a playoff game deficient and shorthanded at a lot of positions and I'm just going to pose this example to you as an alternative. Nick Sirianni, okay, head coach of the defending NFC champion Eagles, one of the most talented rosters in football. He has a couple of injuries. He has both coordinators changed. How'd they finish up this year? They lost five of their last six and made an abrupt exit in the playoffs, okay, with, with a talented roster that had injuries. Sean McDermott did that this year and won the last six games and won a playoff game. So 
you know, you, you can tell me all you want. They need change. They need this. They need that. There aren't many guys capable of doing what he just executed with his football team down the stretch this season, and the defending NFC champion team couldn't do it with their head coach. Couldn't do it. So be careful what you wish for. That's all I'm going to say. I mean, seriously. That's all I'm going to say. Let's go to Scott and Tanawanda next. You're up, Scott. Hey, guys. Great show. Um, there's three players that I'm kind of wondering about whether or not they will be on this team next year. The first two, Poyer and Hyde. I think that they're starting to show their age a little bit, and I'm not sure they'll be here. The third player might surprise you guys, but do you think Stefan Diggs will be back on this team next year? Well, his contract kind of indicates that he will be. Bills really can't get out from under that contract until next year in 2025. Now, the two sides can always come to the table and renegotiate things and make it look different. So I suppose that's an option. Um, Hyde's contract is up. He was asked today about his future. He said it's too early to determine that. But knowing his history of neck injuries and knowing he'd be entering his age 33 season, I think he knows as well as anybody he's much closer to the end of his career than the prime. And I think you could probably say the same for Poyer, although Poyer may have had his best game of the season last night. He was the best defensive player on the field, and it wasn't even close for the Bills. Uh, he, was, he, was, he looked like 28-year-old Jordan Poyer last night. He was really phenomenal. Um, I think there's still a place for Poyer on this roster, maybe in a different type of role, maybe not as a starting safety per se, Maybe he's a nickel linebacker maybe or a dime linebacker or something like that because he excelled in that role for this team this season when they had to make changes with Milano out for the year. Um, yeah, there are going to be some players that were the foundation of this roster when Sean McDermott came here in 2017 that are just simply going to age out. They're going to age off of this roster, and there are going to be some hard decisions that are going to have to be made. As for Diggs, and I'll let you weigh in on this, Steve, but – I think there are some real concerns about whether or not Diggs can be a number one receiver for this team going forward. I still think he can be a contributor on this team, be a very good number two. But if he's going to be your number two on this team, he can't be making $24 million. Yeah, I think there's no question that you can start to see, and particularly if it comes around that they do grab a high-level guy, either in the draft or however they get one, uh, I think you can make the case – because the guy's 31, or going to be 31 this year, he turned 30 this year, there's always kind of that line of – right at this point, everybody kind of has this line of demarcation. When guys get to that age, they start to tail off because of the the pounding you take training for games, let alone playing in games. So you can see an easy path toward an evolution of Steph Diggs' role on the off, in the offense. He, either he – you know – he. He's not the number one option every time. You're not going to get 9,000 targets. He wasn't that over the last six games of right. the season and already. I think, and I think now he played up to it in the first half of the yes. season. He was getting 100 yards a game. But you can see there what happens when, you know, just because of the grind of the season, you, you can't keep doing it. He wears out. He Exactly. He wears out. So that's why they start giving all these guys vet days, vet, veteran rest days and stuff. He's exactly that reason. So you can see a path toward Steph Diggs' role evolving uh, as the season wears on. Or, and, like, you start out where you got this 
hot shot other receiver whether you draft you could draft a kid number one in the first round he's 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 like a Julio Jones type whatever you want to call it in the first half of the season Diggs is the number one and then they start to trade places a little bit and it evolves and at the end of the season when you get back to this point yeah. you got this guy we were you, asking for that to happen you know, last year right so that's kind of where I see this thing headed uh, in a perfect world nothing's ever perfect uh, we'll see but I don't think there's any question. You, you know, have to start considering that. Now. The season really takes do. its toll on a guy when you get in, you know, when you get up in age. And Diggs has been going hard well, every season, you know, since he's been here and when he was in Minnesota. So he's he's deep into it. Right. And as we've said, his own work ethic sometimes is his own worst enemy. He right. wants to be at practice. He wants to bust it out every single rep. And, you know, he's entering his age 31 season and each of the last two second halves of the year, the last two years, We've seen a dramatic drop-off in his production. I just think the guy gets worn out because yeah. they've leaned on him enormously through the first half of the season because they didn't have any other answers. Now, fortunately for the Bills, Kincaid and Shakir stepped into larger roles in the second half of the year, but Diggs, had, Diggs was exhausted. I mean, he's taken yeah. himself out. His, his snap count's down. These guys wiped out because they've been leaning on him so heavily in the first half of the season. They have to get more answers, so the load that he has to pull – is not so daunting and heavy for a guy that's going to be in his age 31 season next year. Let's go to Stewart in Florida next. What do you got, Stewart? Hey, guys. John Hooper here. Let's see. I was at the game yesterday, and I have season tickets. And last year, being at Cincinnati, I agree with what you said earlier, the near-death experience. And it's like you could feel it. you could have put a pit in a balloon on the Bills team last year. But this year's team, what I see myself, first, I think we need to revamp the receivers. I agree with what Steve just said, that Diggs is no longer a number one. He doesn't have the speed or whatever, the old age, father time's catching up. He'd be a good two. Gabe Davis has to go. Sheffield has to go. You could see Josh yesterday and being there. He had nowhere to go with the ball. Yep, These guys weren't open. And lastly, you're not going to like this. I don't think we're ever going to win with McDermott because he's not a good game day coach. When he goes up against guys like Andy Reid, I watched him being our coach yesterday. Granted, I agree that we were totally decimated by injuries with, you know, in the last six games of the year and then the beginning games. In fact, I went to the London game last this past past year and right in front of me when Milano went out and five minutes later Daquan Jones it was like oh my god but that's all I love listening to you guys and I'm broken hearted but man I'll tell you what and then listening to on the plane coming home and I'm just fuming with this get up this Ryan Clark going on with yeah. uh, who, who else was there uh, Rex Ryan and uh, Greenberg and I forget the other guy and um you know, the way they're all blaming Josh, and it isn't him. Because last thing I'm going to say is I won't ever forgive McDermott for 13 seconds. That's all I have to say. All Thank right. you, guys. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Thanks. And I'll say this, and I'll say that this is my take on the on all the McDermott talk about that. And I think – this is the same guy that came in, and, and we all know that he's the guy that built the program back up from, from the drought era to going, taking Rex Ryan's players in the drought area that were 
that couldn't get out of their own way to the playoffs. Couldn't get 11 same people, roster. Couldn't get 11 people on the field. Same same roster. This guy gets them to the playoffs. Then you go, and, and you're right. They, they build it. They get the right players, and they start to build it. And then they had that 13-second game and all that. Let me tell you something. I've seen, and I think, I, I think you'd, even his critics would have to acknowledge the guy is a different coach now than he was two, three years ago. Certainly, before, he is. He does things differently on game day than he did three years ago. He's the uh, first guy to admit that he has flaws. He did it in an open and, press conference, yeah. and he's tried to make good on the mistakes that he does. Absolutely, and his mindset that he has always preached, and we all, everybody, kind of like poo poos it. Is this growth mindset? That's um, a real thing. All those he'll go back and and I, not too many people do this outside of football or maybe outside of the broadcast industry. When you go back and listen to yourself on the air or watch yourself, these guys go back and watch the game. They think about where their staff was talking, how they were talking on the sidelines, what decisions they were making, and when and where. And they talk about why it worked, why it didn't work, what did it mean in the overall scheme. All of that. It's hard to do because you know, particularly in a game like yesterday. It doesn't make you look all that good. But they go back and they pull all that apart and they chew it up and they you know, they own all the mistakes they made, whether they were conservative mistakes or aggressive mistakes or just plain wrong play calls. They do all that. And my take on all this stuff is if you bring another coach in here, certainly, hey, maybe they'll be good at that. But their team's going to stink around them. They're going to have their own problems. You're not going to get a guy in there that's going to be perfect. So I, this guy that the Bills have now is a guy that has, along with all of us, has taken it on the chin and taken a couple of gut punches and learned from it. I don't want to throw all those lessons away, have him be fire him, go to the New York Jets and use them against us. Because he would. He would. Uh I get it. There's a, there, and we had a caller earlier. Let's go get Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, okay, Jim Harbaugh's a great coach, but you're not think you're telling me this team right here would take a leap forward. Not it wouldn't take any step back. There would never be a year where they step back away from With it, not make offense, the wild card, new, new offense, new defense, new coaching staff, all of that, new getting to know each other, having the having grown men trust the guy. They would never take a step back from that. But you want to take a step back thinking that when it, when you, after taking the step back, you're going to go right back to this spot. I think it's unlikely. I, I got to say, I think it's unlikely. We have to take a break here. When we come back, we'll get to your phone calls, and we'll also get to Deion Dawkins and his locker clean-out address to the media. Here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, time for us to go around the locker room here on this locker cleanout day presented by Connect Life, your blood and organ donor network. As promised, here is offensive tackle Deion Dawkins. Deion, how do you reflect on this season as a whole? Uh, I think as a as an organization, which I speak about as a whole, you know, like we've did things that we said we were going to do. 
and then we did things that we said that we wanted to do but didn't do, which was the Super Bowl. Um, when it comes down to it, right, we were 6-6 six and six at one point. The world counted us out. Everybody turned in their back. Then we went on a run and won every game, won the division, hosted two playoff games home, which we have never done, and, you know, ended like how we ended, which, you know, we continue to go head-to-head and toe-to-toe with the best of the best, which it shows us that we are right there, you know. Uh, it sucks, truly, to hear that every year, that, that we're right there, but it's hard to be right there every year with teams that change every year. You know, like, the question will get asked, like, oh, the team won't be the same. Yes, the team will not be the same, but we continue to get to a place that the world won't think that we're going to get to every year. So uh, I think that that's a big reflection of our coaching, of our, like, organization, McDermott, Cromer, the coaches, and, you know, the energy that is surrounded by in this place that keeps us going. How do you get past the point you've been getting to I don't have the answer yet. Ian, you talked about the team changing. One guy who's definitely going to be here next year is Josh Allen. What type of season did he have and what's left in the tank for him? Josh, shoot, Josh had the best season. It, man, listen, if I could tell you, Josh had an MVP season, right? Josh had an MVP season based off of numbers, based off of skill, based off of, you know, presence on the, the football field, based on all of that. Like, I, like, people were talking about interceptions. Like, oh, he's not a MVP guy because, like, of the interceptions. But when it comes down to it, the offense has been on the field significantly more than these other teams. Like, our team has been on the, our offense has been on the football field. He's had significantly a larger amount of passes than the regular person. So, when... You're on the field throwing the ball more. The percentage of error is going to go up. And, hey, man, like, he's thrown, like, like interceptions, and we've won games. So I don't care. Uh, I think that Josh is the MVP of our team, of our league, of our everything, you know, and and he shows it, you know. And and it sucks that we lost, but – that performance that the kid put on yesterday was crazy. It's insane. Like, hey, man, I love ball, and I give credit where credit is supposed to be. And Josh Allen, he's the quarterback that I would love to block for for the rest of my life for ever. Like, he's, he's, he's that guy, man, and he makes it easy for all of us to play football selfishly. He makes it easy for us to play ball. And uh, I'm 17, man, 17 tatted. So, yeah. Dion, you worry about the window of opportunity. I mean, you know, salary cap, things, just a lot of factors, right? Yeah. Uh, Steph has kind of acknowledged this. He did earlier on in training camp, and, and Josh said no, but do you work? There's a window for a team as far as getting to the Super Bowl and winning it. Are you concerned about the time associated with that getting short? I think that's a great question. Uh, I think that that window of opportunity definitely shows itself on paper, right? And then you go through a season and that window of opportunity can show itself through heart and effort. And I think with the 
people that are here that are driving the spirits of our team, our window of opportunity will always be there. You know, as long as we get, like, as long as we have a McDermott as our coach, I'm confident in everything that we have to do to win. You know, like, as long as the O line has Cromer and 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 Austin, I'm telling you, we are go, are, are going to be like okay. As long as we have our receiving coach and our running back coach and and our D line coach and our guys that are here, even our DB coach, like, as long as as, as our guys are here, that's controlling. The pieces and controlling how we are coached, I think that that window is, it's never shut, you know. You brought up the offensive line, and we've had these end-of-season news conferences where line of scrimmage has been an area of concern or an issue, but the progress, talk about, I guess, you, the O-line as a group this year right. and maybe the progress and the consistency. You really you want me to talk about the O-line? Well, look, I'll, I'll talk about it. The O-line is, I'm biased. The O-line is the best group of our team, the D-line and the O-line. I think that our trench battle capability is insane. Like the fact that we drafted a rookie and a rookie played every sing single snap, all right, don't turn your head to that because that's crazy. Like, like, I, like I'm sorry, like, like that's crazy. He played every single snap at the highest like, like, like he's a legend. Like, come on. Like, people don't like do that as a rookie. And then you have Spencer that went through what he had went through, and you know, oh, I don't know. Spencer balled out. We got Connor from a whole different team. People like an organization that I, I, I guess did, like like didn't want him, and now he's my left guard, and he played balls to the wall. Mitch, dad, dad is great. You know, dad just stays dad. Truly, like he just stays dad, he stays con consistent, and then you got me, right? And every year, I'm, I'm taking steps. I'm going to take a step every year. I'm taking a step every year that I'm here, and I will continue to step. And for the people that are following and, I'm, and letting me lead in my way, they're learning. And it's trickling over to, to the O-line, whether it's me and Mitch, if it's me, if it's whoever. Like, as a unit, we are doing what we're supposed to do. And I'm thankful. I am truly thankful. And I started this off and I said, you know, Josh makes it easy to play football. Josh makes it easy to play ball. And um, he's he's got us out of trouble. He's made mistakes disappear. He's made days that we might have not looked the greatest make us look the greatest. So I think uh, truly um, this is a, a offensive room from top to bottom, from our practice squad guys to the top of of the room, uh, I think that that this is the best room that I've ever been been a part of, and uh, not that. And I think, like, I know that this is the best room that I've ever been a part of, and uh, this O line is the reason. Like, we are the reason why we had an opportunity to step closer to our goal. Uh, we're not fully the reason why, but we are in good grace of why we've had the opportunity because we've been available. And uh, I tip my hat to those other four guys and even our guys that are in pads waiting, like on the sideline, like Batey and Vandy, like those guys, and 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 even Dave, Dave, uh, our swing guy. Um, those, like those guys have, have done a great job all year. And, uh, you know, 
it's sad that we couldn't get it done, but you know, like those guys done 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 shown it, man. And I ride with them, and they ride with me. But the O line is definitely a staple of this football team. You're very in tune with this community. Yeah, you know how their emotions are with this team and how they are tied. There's a lot of hurt people today. They're feeling bad about everything yeah. that happened. You are too, I'm sure. But what you've always been good at giving the message in whatever way. What would be the message to Bill's fans today and Bill's Mafia from you? <laughs> so, uh, the, message, the, the message that I would give is if you never... If you've always believed, hopefully we've given you a reason to believe just a little bit more. From where we were at, from where we started, from where we hit a low, and from how we finished, hopefully you're still believing because we believe in you guys as much as y'all believe in us. And the way that y'all came like like to that stadium yesterday, it was, it was amazing. So... Uh, just keep fighting, you know. Just keep fighting, please, because it takes it. It takes your strongest punch, and it takes the strongest positive energy to create the powerful punch. So, if you're with us, stay with us. If you're not, you know, good luck to wherever you're going. <laughs> Simple as that. But you know, it's Bills. It's Bills Mafia here. So, love you guys. All right, that's Dion addressing the media this afternoon on Locker Cleanout Day, and you heard him resoundingly in favor of not only Sean McDermott but his offensive line coach Aaron Cromer, among others. <clears throat> he feels that as long as those guys are coaching the pieces, that uh, their window remains wide open. Let's uh, try to squeeze in a phone call here. We go to Brad in New York. What do you got for us, Brad? Hey, guys. Uh, thanks for having me on. Thanks for everything you're doing today. Uh, I know it's a, it's a rough day for all of us. Um, I do want to thank the team as well, the players. Um, no one expected them to make it this far, especially midway through the season. I don't think any of us questioned their effort. Um, really just have a couple thoughts. Curious what you think. Um, one for the offensive side, one for the defensive side. Offensively, I think we're in a great spot for next year. I really think we need a spark. Uh, a guy like Tyreek Hill would put us over. No doubt. Everyone knows that. Is there any way to get a player like a Tyreek Hill added to this team with Stephon Diggs? I'll listen. Um, also on the defensive side, Von Miller, a liability, a fraud. I know we're in deep with that contract, but I'm curious of what your thoughts are there as well. I'll, uh, I'll hang up and listen. Yeah. All right, Brad. I mean, look, uh, we've said it before. You can't really get out from under – the Von Miller contract until next year at this time. Now those two sides can come to the table and maybe renegotiate something. And you could probably do the same thing with Diggs, whose contract you really can't get out from under until next year as well. Um, maybe their roles are such now going forward where they won't be as prominent and maybe you can renegotiate and reduce their cap figures and invest elsewhere. As far as a Tyreek Hill type player, you can't afford one on free agent market. You just can't. Right. I mean, I don't even know if I don't even think they can afford to keep Dave, Gabe Davis on a resign, you know, on a resign and a second contract. So, in my estimation, it's a strong drafted receiver, and I think you go find an alpha male in the draft and then you draft another one before day 2 is over. 
and really reload and give your quarterback who can hit any point on the field with his arm receiving targets that can catch the football and separate on a consistent basis. You have to reinvest with youth here, um, talented youth that's ready to step into a major role right away. Those guys are at the top of the draft. There is a bounty of them this spring. That's where you have to go, as I see it. Yeah, the only way you're going to get a guy like Tyreek Hill is to draft one. Um, that's it. That's the only way you can afford one. And and if if there is got or if there are guys like that in this draft, get them. And uh, that's the best way. Um, so, and yeah, as Brownie addressed the Vaughn thing as well. But you're right, Brownie and I've been talking about it, and I don't know if you've been listening, Brad, or not, but. This, yeah, you need weapons. Um, I think you're still in an arms race in the AFC. you got to find a way to score and score a lot and move the football a lot. Uh, their offensive line is pretty much intact, not only in the front, but also right behind them uh, with guys under contract. Like Ryan Bates is still under contract. So you've, you've got those guys up front, and your offense is pretty solidified, but you can dress it up. You're going to lose Gabe Davis probably in free agency. He's going to become a free agent. He'll get some offers. Uh, and I, I, you know, I think you got to go through the draft and and keep yeah. keep on keeping on and do what you can do with the defensive side of the football. Got to take a break here. More of your phone calls when we return on a Buffalo Football Monday here on One Bills Live, presented by Kaleida Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. Want to get right back to the phone calls with a lot of people holding, so let's go to Peter in Buffalo next and pull him up. Here. I could have if I would have if I would have dove into it ahead of time. I Peter. probably could have, but I mean, okay. I guess Peter was having a different conversation, so uh, we'll go from Peter over to Marty in Buffalo. What do you got for us, Marty? Uh, first of all, I want to thank the WGR guy for taking my call. Uh, First of all, I, I think uh, maybe you mentioned before I missed the beginning of the show, uh, the Bills definitely missed uh, receiver Davis. Yeah, and I mean, then, he's their uh, deep threat. Secondly, and, uh, yeah. uh, it wasn't surprising. Two great quarterback performances from both teams. and but I thought maybe uh, Josh just kept putting the pressure on Mahomes, and he, uh, he seemed to answer it all the time. And thirdly... Uh, the missed field goal, actually the Bills, I think, were fortunate to be only be behind by three points, especially with the fake punt and the fumble and the defense, Buffalo defenseman knocking the ball into the end zone on the one-yard line yep. from the reserve running back from the Chiefs. And also the tight end, the Buffalo tight end, knocking Josh's fumble to the out-of-bounds. Uh, and I thought... And, uh, when Josh Allen scores, he's got to get his lady friend in the press box because I got tired of looking at Taylor Swift. And fifth and finally, uh, bless you guys and your families going forward. Thank you. God yeah, bless you. You too, Marty. Thanks, Thanks Marty. for the call. Yeah, I mean, look, the the ball was bouncing around, and fortunately none of them resulted in a turnover. There was a third one that Spencer Brown jumped on at the end of the game, too. So, yeah, the ball was out there a few times, and fortunately the Bills didn't turn it over. Uh, and got a turnover for all intents and purposes with the touchback through the fumble in the end zone that Jordan Poyer forced. Right. Um, but, yeah, uh, back and forth game, as Steve mentioned, six lead changes. 
So it was that kind of game. The Bills just came out on the short end of it because they didn't connect on three or four plays and didn't hit a field goal to try to extend the game and tie it at 27. And as we've said, the thin margins in the regular season get even thinner in the postseason. You're playing the best teams in football. If you don't convert and you don't execute, you end up on the short end of the scoreboard at the end of the game. It's just yeah. the way it is. Yeah, and you know, that, happen- that has happened to the Bills in each of the last four seasons after playing so well in the wild card round uh, in all four of those seasons, they they can't get past that uh, the divisional round. And it's not just the Chiefs either. The Cincinnati Bengals came in last year, although last year was a little bit different because of the DeMar Hamlin situation. But, uh, yeah, uh, it's, you know, you got you got to play well on that day. Let's go to Carl in Depew next. What do you got for us, Carl? Hi, guys. Uh, good talking to you. A um, couple things. Um, this stuff with McDermott, uh, let me tell you something. He's a plus. He's going to be here. He's our coach. And all these Monday morning quarterbacks, can forget about it, okay, because he did the job for us. It, it's not his fault. Uh that we got decimated the way we did with players. We're a couple players short on offense, and we're a couple players short on defense. And you know the old game, Steve. Uh, offense wins games, defense wins championships. And we don't have nobody like a Bruce Smith on that defensive line that uh, can put the pressure on because the only thing that I seen yesterday was I don't believe that they showed up, the defensive line showed up. They didn't put enough pressure on Mahomes. That makes your linebackers look not so good and your cornerbacks and the rest of the whole defense. you got to get pressure, and we haven't put the pressure on the way we should. And and as far as offensive receivers, the draft is loaded with a lot of really, really good ones. I just hope we can find the right one. And... uh, that being said, we'll be, we shall return. We will be back. Thanks, Carl. Yeah, you're right. And I, and I think you're right. There is, you know, there's, we've talked about it uh, today. Um, when you kind of put last season away for two seconds and yesterday away for two seconds and you think about what it's going to look like, you, you, you start coming up with blank spots in the roster. Um, and you're gonna have to fill those, and how you fill those, and what we, re- you know, and using yesterday's game as a template, you need some playmakers. Uh, everybody says that, right? The Bills don't need a ton of them. They need like one on offense at the one, number one wideout spot, and they need maybe a, a, a they need an elite pass rusher uh, on the other side. Um, yeah, and, a, and maybe a corner as well, right? So. Um, the defense was decimated by injuries and they did the best they could for a long time with just the guys they had and the offense kind of carried the day for them down the stretch here and they uh, they did an admirable job closing out this season but you get into the playoffs and the divisional round you need all the ammunition you've got and the bills um, were you know their bullets were spent because of the injuries We have to take a break here. When we come back, hour number three, we'll begin with our weekly visit after every Bills game with my broadcast partner, Eric Wood, on the Bills Radio Network. Eric joins us next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collida Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio.
One Pills Live, presented by Kaleida Health. All right, hour number three here on a Buffalo Football Monday, a Blue Monday, of course, and here to join us uh, one last time as we put a bow on the season is Bill's radio color analyst, former Bill Center Eric Wood, who also hosts the Centered on Buffalo podcast. All right, Eric, um, the season has been put to bed in unceremonious fashion. Um, there's been a lot of opinions, shall we say, today, as you might expect, Um but really, I mean, as Steve and I see it, and I don't want to put words in Steve's mouth, but I think I'm on the mark with this. Um, there are just a few plays of lack of execution that really hurt this team in what was a tight ball game. And we know in the playoffs, the margins are even thinner than they are in the regular season. How did you see it? Yeah, they truly are. And when you look at this game, this Bills offense marched up and down the feet, uh, up and down the field throughout the game. And then at the end, three possessions in a row and unable to come up with points. Obviously, the missed field goal at the end is something you'll point to, but they had other opportunities throughout it. And look, we knew coming into this game that although this Chiefs offense hasn't produced like it does in the past, this is a banged up Bills defense, so the offense was going to have to produce. I thought the game plan was great to control the clock, keep that defense off the field, and they executed it perfectly throughout that game. And then at the end of the game, whether it was maybe not the the right adjustments at the end and maybe getting predictable, maybe with some of the first down runs like we were talking about on the broadcast, Chris, but, um, you know, it, it's, it's another one of those uh, memorable games that everyone's – texting and calling about but unfortunately the bills are on the wrong end of this one and Mahomes and the Chiefs are advancing again you get them in your place and look when we when they won that week 14 matchup we were hoping that it would send Kansas City to Buffalo in the playoffs and it did and unfortunately they come up short so obviously a disappointing end of the season and you know it's those small margin plays the bills play turnover free football in the game now that you have the turnover downs uh in your territory after the fake punt but then you're able to force the lone turnover of the game and get the ball back and look these playoff games are generally going to come right down to the wire and unfortunately the bills just could not make that play at the end of the game josh allen gets bumped on his throw to shakir which was open in the end zone they miss on the long one to digs just barely and you know, you're sitting here on, on Monday and and you just you're sitting here playing the what if game. What if Josh connects there? Is the defense able to come up with a stop and, and get Mahomes off the field and the Bills come away with the victory? But unfortunately, we're sitting here um, looking for answers now. Yeah. And, and as you as you kind of pull the game apart, certainly the Bills walked in and, and got hobbled on de- defense. They were already hobbled on defense. You had A.J. Klein starting at linebacker who was. You know, the story, he was on his couch two weeks ago. Uh, uh, Terrell Dodson came into the game, left for a minute, kind of came back onto the game, started making plays. You had Dorian Williams taking some time. You had your, uh, you were way down the depth chart at linebacker. You were way down the depth chart at cornerback. The healthiest group on the defense, and really the help, aside from the offensive line, was the defensive line of this of the Bills, and really – you're playing Mahomes, and he's hard to sack. So's Josh. Neither guy took a sack the entire game. Uh, early on, you saw Greg Rousseau get a shot at Mahomes, misses the misses the sack, and it turns into an enormous first down conversion. So it's just kind of one of those games where the defensive line, even when they played well, couldn't get to Mahomes and put him off his mark. And really, that was the difference in this game defensively for the Bills. 
Right. You know, this Chiefs offensive line, especially the interior, is good. I mean, that's as good of an interior offensive line as there is in the NFL, and they hold the Bills' defensive tackles to zero pressures in the game. And Daquan Jones and Ed Oliver, that's as good of a defensive tackle tandem as there is out there. I mean, you know, top five, at least in the NFL, when you look at those two, and they're held without a pressure in the game. And then off the edges, Kansas City was able to handle the crowd noise for the most part, and they were able to protect Patrick Mahomes in the pocket. A big reason for that is they didn't force him into many third and longs. And so there wasn't a ton of obvious pass situations in this game either where Sean McDermott could maybe get more creative with the looks that he would give at the line of scrimmage to maybe get a free rusher at times on the homes. And then the one time they have two free rushers with AJ Klein and Dotson coming, Patrick Mahomes takes off a sprint uh, up into the pocket and hits uh, Scanling down the middle of the field for the big game. And so you know, give credit where it's due to Kansas City. They took advantage of some mismatches. Look, Travis Kelsey, um, you know, on a normal down and distance before the Bills would get in their dime package, they would attack AJ Klein and that linebacker level. And that's what you do when when teams get banged up. You you attack those backups out there, and they needed this defensive line to produce. And look, we talked about uh, the last couple of years after the season. You know, what's what's an issue? What caused uh, the Bills to go home? And part of it's just a lack of pressuring the quarterback uh, with a four man rush. And and you mentioned it. Like both team, neither team had a sack in this game. But if they were going to affect Mahomes enough to be able to protect that back end of the defense, they were going to have to generate some pressure on it. And I understand that everything is complimentary in football. So, you know, at times Mahomes is making quick reads and he's attacking matchups. So, you know, even if there is a win by the defensive line up front, they're just not getting home in time. And so uh, this this defense was reeling yesterday. Rasul Douglas, a valiant effort out there, but just didn't seem to be himself out there either. Um not Jordan Poirier on the back end, you know, obviously makes the play to force the fumble, uh, made some great plays out there throughout the game. There was some nice individual efforts at time, but, you know, we talked about before the game, Chris, this is a, a Chiefs team. They run the second most screens in the league. They've really dedicated themselves to the run game. you got to be able to tackle when you're playing the Chiefs, and they had so many missed tackles that led to just chunk play after chunk play that didn't allow the Bills to – you know, have a chance to get off the field. It was midway through the third quarter, and I was given the, you know, uh, the ratio of third down per, uh, conversions for the Chiefs, and they only had three third downs in the game midway through the third quarter. And uh, besides the kneel down before the half, the Bills had not stopped them. And so, you know, defensively, new coming in the game, they were going to be banged up. The offense was going to have to step up. You know, late in the season, the healthier groups have to step up in the absence of where the injuries are. And so the offense, while they played well throughout the game against the Kansas City Chiefs defense, that's ranked second in the NFL in points per game, second in the NFL in yards per game, they moved the ball up and down the field, but at the end, in crunch time, just couldn't get it done. Yeah, and when you think about the fact that the Bills essentially played one good phase of football out of three it's amazing they were even this close in the game to begin with and special teams was another side of the ball that was uneven and not up to par again I mean this is not the first time we've seen hiccups with special teams whether it's poor execution on a kick blocked kicks blocked field goals long returns allowed we've seen a lot of these problems through the course of this season how how long a look do the Bills have to take at their special teams unit in light of what transpired through the course of this season, not just yesterday? 
Yeah, it was an issue from the first game when you give up the punt return uh, to lose the game against the Jets. And so you give that one up in overtime and it ends the game right there. And then throughout this season, there was issues uh, with special teams. Sam Martin rebounded and became the special teams uh, AFC player of the month for the month of December. But prior to that, he was wildly inconsistent. And then he gets the hamstring injury against uh, the Steelers off of the blocked field goal. And um, he ends up pulling his hamstring or injures his hamstring and then was inconsistent yesterday. And then Tyler Bass goes two for five in the playoffs uh, on field goals. And you just can't have that. And like we said earlier, when the margins of victory are so small in the playoffs, your special teams can't be a reason uh, that that you're not that you're not staying in the game, that you're not tying that game at the end. And, you know, people miss field goals. And, you know, everyone says, you know, it doesn't just come down to that. And I agree. They could have put seven points up. They could have made they could have connected on some of those big plays down the field to uh, not not force them into their, themselves into a 44 yard field goal attempt. But, you know, it's just um, they're gonna Yes, they do have to take a look at their special teams because they dedicate as much resources to the special teams use it is about any team in the league. And so when your coverage hasn't been great this year, your protection hasn't been great. You fail on the uh the the fake punt and give the Chiefs the ball in your territory it's something that you definitely have to look at going into next year one of the things too is that the time of possession in this game was enormous for Buffalo and how much was it evident in the early going that that kind of had to be part of their plan their defense was going to be hobbled by injury they knew they couldn't match up particularly in man-to-man coverage with Kansas City given you know, given the fact that they were down to their fourth and fifth corner and all of that. So they knew if they went man, Kansas City was going to heave it up on them. So they had to keep those guys off the field. How, you know, how, how, what do you think about the Bills' offense ability to execute a game plan to that extent of 38 minutes? Certainly you'd like to score more points, but having Josh on the field and six lead changes in this game and as close as it was – uh, being able to ex- execute a game plan to that extent. Yeah, they they executed well for a majority of the game on offense, really in the run game uh, with Josh and Cook, Ty Johnson at times. They executed in the run game, which allowed them to c- then control the clock. Josh did a great job of taking what the defense gave him, and then they took a few shots down the field and didn't really connect on any of those. And, you know, those are all close plays, and Bill's just unable to make them. And, you know, you have the Kansas City Chiefs on the other side of the ball where they lead the league in drops on the season and then come in where it's a windchill right around zero and don't have any drops. And they make the plays down the field, and that ultimately becomes the difference in the football game. But, yeah, I thought that Joe Brady um, in in the game plan was, was great. I, I appreciated the game plan. I liked it. Um, and they moved the ball up and down the field throughout this game, and you ultimately come up short. But when you're pointing fingers, you're not pointing, pointing the fingers at Josh Allen in the offense after this one, other than the fact that maybe late game execution, maybe instead of taking some of those shots down the field, you 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 dump it down. But look, he, he, Josh Allen's an aggressive quarterback, and he makes those plays. And if he doesn't get bumped on the pass to Shakir, that's the same pass that he made to Dalton Kincaid a week ago, and it goes for six. And so um, – Yeah, I was impressed with the offense. I thought they came up with great answers throughout that game as well with the RPOs, the screens to the outside, getting Kincaid involved on those screens to consistently move the sticks throughout the game. 
So spinning it forward now, Eric, as we enter the offseason, locker clean-out day here today. Gabe Davis among the people addressing the media, and he said he expects to hit free agency. said at no point in time leading up to his last year of his rookie season was he approached about a contract extension. So he's expecting to hit the open market. And then on top of that, you look at the way the season ended over the last 10 games. Khalil Shakir outgained Stephon Diggs in receiving yardage by 40 yards, despite the fact that he had fewer than half the targets that Stephon Diggs had over that stretch, 37 targets to 80, and he had 40 more receiving yards. There is a, a, wide, a, a widely growing contention that the Bills have to invest heavily in the draft in receiver talent to give Josh Allen the weapons necessary to compete in what is a full-blown arms race in the AFC and probably address it early. Now, fortunately, it's a good receiver draft, but how, how badly does this offense need weapons that Josh Allen can count on from start to finish in a season? Yeah, and not even just looking at yesterday, looking at the course of the season, having someone besides Diggs, Shakir, having someone that can consistently separate and make the plays down the field, take the top off the defense, you know, scaling on the other side for Kansas City, he's six foot four and he could run and he can stretch the field and he can open up some other things for the other guys that are playmakers. And when you look at the Bills skill position, especially the young guys, you get guys like Shakir, who you mentioned, Kincaid and Cook all step up this year, all young players, nice draft picks that the Bills made. And I, I I'm in the camp that look, when you have Josh Allen you want to put as many resources as you can around him and give him the weapons and the firepower to be able to go light teams up. And when you look at, you know, moving forward into next year, you, you know, if, if a digs gets hurt, you know, who else do you have that's, you know, putting fear in an opponent, maybe Shakir next year, maybe Kincaid, but to have another guy and in, in investing in a young guy in the draft that you can, you know, kind of build around for the future at the wide receiver position makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, and it's and it comes down to you know what you've got to work with when you, you need cheap labor. Um, and one thing that when we were talking, they, there's there's ev- um, evidence of both ends of the spectrum when you talk about young players playing for Sean McDermott. There's you know there's Ed Oliver, there's AJ Epinesa, there's Spencer Brown and Osiris Torrance this year. But then there's also Khalil Shakir and James Cook, who did Dalton Kincaid did play early on, but Shakir and James Cook did not. Uh, Kyrie Elam still waiting to get on the field. Um, you know, there's there's examples of both of these. If you do go to the draft, don't you kind of have to be committed to like taking your lumps early on with these young players and kind of develop them through a long season? Yeah, and when you draft the guys early as they draft a Kincaid, they come in likely a little bit more ready to go. And I understand Elam was a first round draft pick last year, but you know, it's a situation where Christian Benford. Uh, you get a steal late in the draft, and he kind of takes his reps, and that's not necessarily a terrible thing because you hit on one. You know, you, the the jury's still out on Elam, but you hit on Christian Benford. He's a, he's a bright spot as far as a young guy on a rookie contract on defense. So if you're going to invest a, a first round draft pick or even a second round draft pick, you expect that production in year one, especially at the wide receiver position. You look at Rasheed Rice for Kansas City. Didn't have enormous production early in the season. Then as the season went on, he became more and more of a threat. Goes for over 150 yards against the Dolphins in the first round of the playoffs. But yeah, it's you know it's a balancing act. It's a balancing act of what are you willing to put up with early in the season because you're going to get some of those rookie mistakes. But then by the end of the season, and coaches will always say, 
You know, after about halfway through the season, your rookie year, you're not a rookie anymore. You have experience. You've played enough games. You've, you know, uh, do you have the 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 instincts of a, a grizzled veteran? No, but you're kind of eliminating those mistakes. You're starting faster in games, and so yeah, there's there's a lot appealing about saying, hey, look, Sean McDermott. The way he was able to piece together an injured defense for a majority of the season, the highest levels they played, okay. Not that you can not that you can uh, invest all of your assets on the offensive side of the ball, but Sean proved this year that he can piece together a defense and you know, you get a Milano back and you know, you get Bernard back at linebacker who missed the last game and you have some great young pieces on that defensive side of the ball. Okay, give me the firepower on offense. And let's say, try and keep up with this Bills offense. Eric, thanks as always for uh, the insight all season long. Pleasure doing the games with you on the radio network as well. We'll catch up with you later on down the line here in the offseason. Enjoy some downtime. All right. I appreciate it, guys. All right. That's Eric Wood joining us as he does after every Bills game. That'll be his last appearance of the season since it was the last Bills game of the season as they exit in the AFC Divisional Round. Let's get back to the phones where some people have been waiting patiently. We go to Don in Rochester next. What do you got for us, Don? Don, are you there? I'm going to put Don on hold, and maybe he'll check back to his phone here shortly. We go to Patrick out in Las Vegas next. What do you got, Patrick? Hey, uh, thanks for taking my call, guys. Steve, this is more for you. Um, Nobody is a bigger fan of the Super Bowl team's uh, that you played on than I am. And I've, I've consumed every bit of media uh, retrospective history on those teams. Um, I have had my truth and reconciliation about why we didn't win any of those games. Um, but I want to go back to something that you said in the four falls of Buffalo piece that ESPN did when you're talking about Super Bowl 25 and, and not knowing any better than to go no huddle and not taking what the Giants were giving us in the run game and spinning your wheels. I think this year's, these Buffalo Bills teams have gotten to the point where they're spinning their wheels, and we need to come up with something different. Not revolutionary, not blow the whole thing up and start from scratch, but we've got to do something different. And there are people who make a lot more money and who know a lot more about the game than I do who can find those things out. But let me go back again to Super Bowl 25 about something revolutionary that we see today that we didn't back then. And that is three times on fourth and two or shorter in that game from midfield or on the giant side of the field. We punted. Can you imagine anybody punting that many times on fourth and short yardage in today's game? Yeah, that's right. It's everything's different these days. You're right. We've got we've got to be ahead of the curve on something. It doesn't have to be earth-shattering. It doesn't have to it doesn't have to put us in the history books as, you know, like Bill Walsh's West Coast offense or something. But there has to be something different because the idea that if we just execute a little bit better, if we just get a little bit better at a certain position, I think that's failing, that, that, that's not loser thinking, but it's not thinking that is going to get you over the hump because everybody else is doing the same thing every year. We zig and other teams know when we're going to zig. 
And one thing that I really hope next year we do not see is Sean McDermott taking total control of the defense. Not because he's a bad defensive coach, far from it, but he spread himself thin this year. And I think the special teams, which you had a major role in three losses this year, and I, for the life of me, can't believe how we run a fake punt with our 11 versus their 10 and can't get the first down. That's the, that's the play that's going to stick in my craw all season long. And, and, I, and, and Sean needs to trust a little bit more those around him. But he also needs – I think he needs a guy that just comes up to him and kind of shakes him by the shoulders and says, Sean, is this really what you want to do? How about this? I, yeah. don't, I don't know if that person exists in the Bills locker room. I hope it does. Um, I've gone on enough. I'll listen to what you guys say. Uh, go Bills. Thanks, Patrick. And, I, and I'll say this. I, I, you're saying you know, they need to do something different uh, going forward. Here's the thing. They do a lot of things very well. Um, so I'm with you. You don't have to th- you know, reinvent. You don't have to reinvent football or, or break the uh, unknowable code of analytics to, you know, to do something different. I, and I will say this. What Brownie and I think what I think Brownie and I are, are thinking a step would be would be the way – there's different philosophies about how to build a roster in the NFL, um, what you look for, what position groups you think are more important, where do you invest your money in what position groups, um, how do you evaluate for the draft, how do you draft on that day when guys are going ahead of you and how do you morph your picks down the board – in light of what has been picked ahead of you and who's around you, that kind of thing. I think that's probably where I would say the Bills maybe need to shift their priority a little bit in going forward. Um, I know that we have seen them uh, draft players with specific traits in the high rounds, mostly physical traits, um, and it has served them well. But I would, I would venture to say that it, maybe at this point in, in the history – of their roster build, it's time to maybe do something because you've got this unicorn at quarterback. Maybe you just – maybe he's the point of the pyramid and everything goes down from him. Maybe you start with the offense and you don't let up on it. Uh, maybe you get more, even more guys to play and help him. Um, that kind of thing. I think that may be the one place where I could see – this offseason having an effect on what happens on the field next season and would be a very big difference from where they're at now is they would morph their philosophy of how they're going to build a roster, like build an offense, build a defense. You build it from the inside out, from the ball out. and it, So maybe we'll see them adjust the way they pick their players and the priorities they put on offense and the priorities they put on defense, the position groups. I think that's a place where – at the current point in the Bills franchise, there's some space now to make a decision that's going to look very, very different than what we thought it would look. Like, for instance, we've got a ton of guys on the defensive side of the ball that are going to be gone because they're free agents. Their contracts are out. They're out, out of, you know, there's just not even enough 22 guys to play defense, right? Uh, you don't even have enough guys to line up over there in some spots. Maybe they, they just fill it with guys and put – first round, second round, third round picks on the offensive side to start scoring points like, you know, wherever they want. I'm using that as an example. 
I'm not saying that's exactly what I think they should do, but I'm, I'm, I'm being a little bit of hyperbolic to give you an idea, exaggerating to make this point that maybe that's the philosophy you're looking at. Maybe it's not about analytics. Maybe it's about how you build your roster, and now you got this point in history where you got this guy that could maximize it. Right, and you haven't really addressed it high in the draft since Brandon Bean became general manager. Your highest draft choice is Gabe Davis in round four at the wide receiver position. Zay Jones was a second-round pick, but that was before Brandon Bean was on board as general manager. You got Kincaid at tight end, I get it. And that's the way the board (laughs) fell, you know? I mean, Kincaid was the best It's no reflection on on Brandon Bean. It's just it's a fact. You just haven't drafted a wide receiver up high, and this year in in a very good wide receiver class, I think it's come time to do that and take care of that, especially knowing that Diggs is entering his age 31 season. Break time for us here. More of your phone calls when we come back and more comments from the locker room on Locker Cleanout Day here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. Welcome back to One Bills Live on a Buffalo Football Monday. Got to jump back into locker cleanout day and go to a man who finished the season strong, arguably as the team's number one wide receiver. It's the second year man, Khalil Shakir. I know it's it's day after, and you know you're still kind of feeling a little bit. But you know where, where is the frustration level for? You know I know you haven't been here for all of it, but you know having three divisional round exits in a row, Chiefs again. All that stuff where you can't seem to get past that run. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's. I mean, we at the end of the day, um, we know that as far as um, playing to our full potential, just just wasn't there, and we know that we left a little bit out there. But at the end of the day, it's hats off to, to KC and, and what they're able to do, and you know they came off the dub, so hats off to them. What was your thought on, on Joe Brady and his his half season as coordinator? I love him. I love Joe Brady. He's a. I think I've, I've talked to him before. Just his energy is, is so contagious, and just the type of guy that he is, and and bringing that that energy every single day, and and getting us going on some days. You know, like just he's just a guy you want to be around. Aside from that, in terms of X's and O's, Khalil, what was it that he did that kind of allowed this offense to reach a higher? Gear? Yeah, honestly, I think it's it's the. When you when you have a guy that you could just you just vibe with, you know, it, obviously he's our coach, but at the end of the day, you know, you can, it's like it's like a bro, it's like a, it's like a big bro, and I think when you have that type of relationship, but obviously making sure that you keep her separate as far as that's coach, having that level of uh, respect as far as coach, but also on a personal level too, um, when you can vibe with somebody in that way, it just it just means a lot, and I think that everybody wants to do better and play for him. How much did that factor in, and what were some of the other factors that allowed you? I mean, you became a really consistent, reliable option in this offense for Josh. What allowed you to, to kind of hit that level this year? I think it was more just, just as, you know, repetition, just getting more reps as the year went on, and and. and getting used to the flow of the game and um, things things like that. It just kind of, um, I've, I've said this a thousand times, but the word comfortable doesn't doesn't rub me the right way. And I'm not a fan of it, but it just allowed me to, to I guess, get more a little bit more um, just a feel for the game as, as weeks, the weeks went on. You got you got to get here. When you get here to this team, you, this is kind of a, a Mitch and Dion and Stefan and Dawson offense. And now, you know, you and James and Dalton and, and Cybo, you know, there's a new generation, for lack of a better term. How encouraged are you about this young core on offense the other team? It feels, feels good. I, I think that, obviously, like you said, with, with James, Pro Bowl year, I mean, he's he's that guy. And then you got Dalton and then Cybo, like, 
just I know that coming coming back next year, I know you know stuff just things just ended. But at the end of the day, we're um, I know that the work's going to be put in this off season. We're ready to go. Is your confidence kind of at an all time high right now? Um, yeah, I, I guess you could say that. I mean, I'm I'm it's it's one of those things where it's yeah the, you feel good about how things been going, but also got to remind yourself to to stay level headed and make sure that the the work um, continues to, to to be put in. If someone, if someone says you're going to take the next step or the next level, what, what would that mean to you? Like, what, what does that entail for you? As far as the next level, I mean, work even harder this offseason. That's for me, that's where it starts. Um, obviously, take a little break, but I know the work that was that I put in last offseason and, and what got me to this point. And, I, and, you know, after doing some self-evaluation over the next couple of days, I'll figure out and I'll, I'll know what it's going to take to, to take that next step. You feel like um, playing in the slot versus outside that there's that maybe some versatility in your game that you could maybe do a little bit of both if the, if asked. Um, wherever they put me out on the field, I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and, and give them all and do everything I can to make sure that I, I, I put myself in the best position to make a play. What's it say when a guy like Josh trusts you the way that he did? You know, down the stretch. Look, I said this again. I, I, I love Josh. I mean, he's just a guy you want to be around. You know, and. Um, obviously a, a freak of nature on the, on the football field, but an even, even better guy off the field. Like just his, just how, how personal he is with us and, and getting to know him and um, being around him. And, you know, he has people over at his house all the time. And, and that's just the type of leader that you want around, a guy that's going to bring everybody together. And, and that's a guy you want to play for and fight for. There's a big decision for this team to make with Gabe being a free agent. I, I know, you know his work ethic is admired amongst all the, you know, the, the locker room, the receivers especially. What do you, you know, what do you hoping happens there with, with Gabe? I love Gabe. I mean, I'm, I'm not. I said that's that's a little out of my uh, my pay grade right there to, to, <laughs> to, to talk a little bit more about that. But love Gabe. He's a guy that that kind of took me under his wing and, and just made me feel comfortable um, within being here and and getting more of a feel for the game and just kind of leading me and being a really good mentor for me uh, mentally. And um, I've said this also, like just watching his work ethic, like just the, just the way he works. Um, it's, it's, it's inspiring. So, All right, that's Khalil Shakir addressing the media on Locker Cleanout Day, a very strong finish to his second NFL season in a Bills uniform, and the future certainly bright for him as he, for all intents and purposes, nailed down the slot receiver role in this offense. Want to get back to the phones? Got some people hanging on for a while here. We go to Don in Rochester next. What do you got for us, Don? All right, I think we've given up on Don. He had two cracks at the apple there. Uh, let's go to uh, Mark in Rochester next. What do you got for us, Mark? Hey, guys. Uh, wish I was talking to you about the Ravens game, but I digress. Um, I just want to talk about Sean McDermott. You know, I'm not uh, I'm not here to bash the guy. I love what he did for this organization. Um, I mean, he's got us to the playoffs five years, I think, the one year we can thank Cincinnati for, you know, getting us off that 17-year snide. Um, but I think with that being said, th- this is it, man. This, this is where he's going to take us. You know, I, I don't think personally, and I, I've, been a, I've been a fan for a long, long time. I'm 53 years old. I've been a fan since I was a kid. Um, I was around for the 90s, Steve's team, so everything. Um I, I think that's it with this guy. You know, I love the guy. I love what he did for the organization. But I just think this is it. I, I think we need to reach out. You know, he's like that guy that you bring into a business to get that business back up and running. Now we need a better CEO or a CFO 
to take us over that hump. I just, you know, I love the guy. I wish him nothing but the best, him and his family, but I think, I think it's time, you know. What, what I, do you I, think is, let me pain. ask you, Mark, what do you think is missing? Um, I think the one thing that, that, that jumps out to me is his game day decisions, you know, in-game decisions. You know, it, 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 it's that, that, that call, that, that, that fake punt, I mean, I get it. They only had 10 guys. They had eight, you know, we had eight guys on their six. We should have been able to outblock them, but we didn't. And at that time of the game, you had a lot of time left in that game. It was just, I mean, it, not for nothing. They, they got the ball back. It didn't cost them, but it's decisions like that. It's those, those, those game day decisions that just, it, you know, they just kind of drive you nuts sometimes. But that's an ex- But you just admitted that's an execution issue, correct? They got the look they wanted. They made the call on the fly from the sideline. It's eight on six, as you said. That's an execution problem, is it not? Well, me personally, I I don't think I would have the, uh, for the lack of a better term, cojones to make that call. Okay. So three years. So your own end zone, you know. Okay. So 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 three years ago. When he's conservative against the Chiefs and he's kicking a field goal before halftime from the two-yard line, he's too conservative. And now he's too aggressive with six minutes left on the clock. I, I just, it's like Steve says all the time. You make the call, and if it doesn't work, you should have done the other thing. And that's what we're getting is feedback. And look, not all the calls are going to work for anybody. I mean... I still remember the Belichick call against Indianapolis at his own 35-yard line. He chooses to go for it in the playoffs. They don't get it, and the Colts run out the clock and win the football game. Um, There are other coaches that make the same kind of call. Sometimes they work and sometimes they don't. You're putting your faith in your players to execute. They didn't execute. Yeah, and and, and on a number of occasions they didn't. Uh, I I get it, Um, particularly now that you've lost to – the Chiefs three times. You've lost to the Bengals once, and it's the exact same depth of the playoffs. You win a playoff game, and then you lose the next one. Uh, and you think that's as far as we're ever going to get with this guy? I just, I, from my experience, it just doesn't work like that. I think that's a that's the wrong way to look at it. It's a it's it's a superficial, and it's a superficial antidote to what ails his team and that's it's not gonna and I think you're you know uh, I I can't think of an analogy but you're tearing down the house because you know the front door's got a chip in it kind of thing um I I just don't think that's the right way to go about getting this team to the championship game and to the Super Bowl by firing this guy let's uh squeeze Jack in South Buffalo in here before the break what do you got Jack Hi, uh, guys. Um, sad Monday, obviously. I, I really disclosed for Steve. Um, I was thinking about, like, the no huddle back in the 90s, how you guys were in such shape uh, and you could really turn it on. And it, no one really plays that anymore, uh, except for, like, the last two minutes of a half for a game. And you could see him move the ball real quick. I'm just wondering, I'd like to see the Bills maybe go to that next year if they could. And how did, Steve, how did you guys stay in such shape? Because I've seen Holly Long a few years later. He hated to admit it, but he said by the 
second half, he was so tired, he yeah. couldn't even get down in a stance. And he'd look over, and Ireland was just, they weren't even breaking a sweat. Right. Thanks, Jack. we got to go. We're up against the break. Quickly? Um, you, you get in that kind of shape by running, and it's much easier to run it than to defend it. Um, defenders always have this emotional content of like, all right, what are they going to do next? we got to be ready for anything. They're all on edge mentally, and that exhausts you. When you're on offense, you know where you're going to head. You know what your assignment is. It's a different, it's a different attitude and anxiety level before the snap. And as you, if you go faster and faster, that anxiety level wears you out as much as the physical exertion, although the physical exertion is big too. So, yeah, it, it, it worked on a number of different levels. It wouldn't work the same in today's NFL as it did back then, um, but it is a weapon or a tool in the toolbox that every team has. Right, which is why you see teams jump into tempo and out of tempo, but they don't stay with it the whole game. It's just a different animal in a different league than it was back then. Got to take a break. Some final thoughts on the tweet sheet when we return here on One Bills Live. Short on time, so some final takeaways from the Bills' AFC divisional loss to the Chiefs on the tweet sheet brought to you by Corrigan Moving Systems, the official equipment moving company of the Buffalo Bills. And Duke says, bad luck, too many injuries to starters, great progress overcoming it all from what appeared to be a dismal season seven weeks ago, a lot of growth, and it's apparent now where the cap money can be shed. MH85, receivers failed to deliver in the biggest moments. Four drop catches is too much against the top opponent. We've done so well from 6 and 6 to get to where we finished. Ultimately, drop passes and injuries caught up with us, and we paid the price we should have been playing next week. Yeah, that's kind of the, the gist of it from Bills fans today, Steve. Yeah, and the, and the defensive injuries really showed up in the, in the Chiefs' ability to get big plays. They had eight plays of 20 yards or more. And that's really where it shows up in discipline and communication. And, uh, yeah, kudos to the Chiefs for, for being able to do that and knowing that's where they were going to do it. And the kudos to the Bills for hanging in there and keeping, their, keeping the Bills' offense on the field as much as possible and yeah. hanging in there. We'll continue with the postmortem tomorrow on the show, along with Dan Orlovsky who will join us to break down some of the ins and outs of that playoff game. We'll see you at 1.